Kia ora koutou whanau. Welcome back to another edition of the Department of Conversation. Got a pearl up for you today. Uh, she was banned from Twitter. We'll find out more about that as the podcast goes on. She's described by many as a radical feminist, a turf as well, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, whether she is or isn't. I guess we'll get the lowdown through this conversation. But uh, Megan Murphy is our very special guest today. Uh, to find out more about what we're up to and what we're doing, you can visit our new URL. It's www.thedoc.nz. Uh, but until we see you at the end of this conversation, here's Megan Murphy. Live, live. We're live, live. Live, live. Live, live, live with live. pictures with Megan Murphy. Hello. Welcome, kia ora. Welcome to Aotearoa, New Zealand. Hi. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Um, as we were driving in from the airport, we were talking about having a drink or two. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Or a uh, ten. So <laughs> we have got out the Department of Conversation. This is the fridge of many things, that's what we call it. We've got out the options here for stuff to drink. So we've got my favourite which is the uh, vodka that when you smell it, it's got a, a infused with banana. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Oh, I love that. Uh, we've got some gin, we've got some whiskey, we've got some Central Otago wine, we've got some beersies, and you want to start with? Whiskey. Okay. Obviously. Okay. Megan Murphy. Okay, so <laughs> notice notice the name. This is, this is a story to it, right? My mum passed away about 14 months ago, oh. and my name is Pat, and my family called me Patty. So a very, very good friend of mine in Auckland, when we were up there for the funeral and that kind of stuff, bought me a six-pack of um, Irish beer. It's just jumped out of my head. Guinness. And this. So this is the first time we are opening it, and I'm more oh, than happy to open it. That's and so that's, nice. And that's I'm where so it's touched. come from. Do you want to give me some ice as well? There, Thank I'll, you. I'll join you. Yeah, excuse my fingers. So this was given to me as that, as a, I don't know, a present? Is that the right word? A gift, yeah. Or something. And it's been sitting in, in the back of your shot for, I don't know how many, 20 episodes now without being oh, touched. Oh, I go. so. I do feel honoured. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you pull yourself. Okay, thank you. you might to be, be, to be fair, in the last 20 episodes, I think this is the late, the, this is the only late afternoon one where it's felt appropriate to crack it. I just watched uh, Megan get a coffee. I wouldn't even hesitate to try and pour you a drink. I'm sure you like to have it a very specific way after what I just witnessed. <laughs> The triple Americano with too much milk. And <laughs> whenever anybody is like, oh, let me get your coffee. I'm like, no, no, no. Because I just end up feeling like super <laughs> high maintenance because I have such a like weird picky. Hey, um, cheers. 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 Thanks to, for having cheers me. to Mary Brittenden, Nee Mulligan. That's where this has come from. Ooh, oh, okay. so good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, nice. Jace, you can just knock yourself out, help yourself, whatever you want. I'm driving the podcast. Maybe I shouldn't drink and podcast. I don't know. No, <laughs> but the I will. We'll see. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for coming to Dunedin. Just I'm pull yourself really, into that mic. Oh, sorry. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. So um, the story is it was announced you, you you look a lot less dangerous in real life just from what I've read on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I always feel like so surprised when I read things about myself online because I'm yeah. like, if you met me in person, you would not say these things about me. I thought there'd me. be spikes really sticking out of you or something. Maybe you travelled with I a weapon at all like times. I tail and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I noticed you were coming to New Zealand. I like having interesting conversations with interesting people. I approached the lovely people from Stand Up For Women. Is that what it's called, the group? I don't want to get Speak that wrong. Speak Up For Women. Speak Up For Women yeah. in New Zealand. And basically they went, 
Well, she's got lots of free time between Saturday and Sunday. You can fly down to Dunedin if you want. And you graciously said yes. So here we are. Yeah, thanks for bringing me over. I'm, I mean, I haven't had much time to explore because I've been so busy since I've been over here. So I'm glad to combine yeah. work and exploring. Yeah, well, I mean, you're only in Dunedin for well, less than 24 hours. But I mean, I guess you've got all tomorrow off and we can figure stuff out. And Jace, what, what's the two things you've got to do when you're in Dunedin? What is there? Uh, well, you're doing the first one, <laughs> uh, which True. is drink, because it's a student city, and the students down here literally riot in the streets every year, pretty much, with drinking and alcohol abuse. Um, alcohol abuse is almost our second motto. Uh, I don't know what else you do. Uh, probably, I don't know, it's very touristy, but you've got to go up Baldwin Street, which was, until three months ago, the steepest street in the world, yeah. until it was challenged by some... Little shithouse Some little shithouse like, place in Wales that has like this dirt goat track thing <laughs> that's like slightly steeper, and so... So the there's actually so so passionate the people. There's, there's like a dude who's who's like an engineer from Dunedin who's literally flying there to remeasure it because he's so do, angry about it. Do you know so. people hear that and they kind of go, "No, yeah, that sounds like a stupid maturity thing." Without question, I mean, I've probably taken you know ten visitors by to have a look at the street. Without question, every single one of them, when you drive to the street and you drive down the road, it's beside. Go, whoa. You know, so you don't think like it's a big deal, but when you actually see it, people are like, "Whoa!" Yeah, if, if you if you if it doesn't car, sound like something I want to do to be. <laughs> if, if your car <laughs> isn't very powerful, like, like if painful. it's a bit of a shit box, it won't get up the hill. Mm-hmm. And if you try and do a you you don't try and do a U turn because you'll feel you'll feel you literally feel like your car's going to roll over. Yeah. Um, oh and, god, and that sounds scary. Yeah, so, it's a great Instagram spot though because you can lean forward and get the person to orientate the horizon on the road, and it looks like you're like leading at like a thirty degree. So maybe degree. I'll just stick with the first thing that you have yeah, to do. do and sure, yeah, this thing. Yeah. Am I saying Dunedin? You can say Dunedin. Is that what is it? Dunedin. No, Dunedin's fine. Dunedin. What is it? Dunedin. That's it. Yeah. Dunedin. 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 The locals call it Dunners. 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 That's that's like the name of it. Welcome to Dunners. Dunners. It doesn't sound right when I say that. Dunners. 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 It yeah. sound like I think you're hitting that R too hard. <laughs> Dunners, like yeah. with an A at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so welcome. Are you you are without question, and even though you may disagree with the reasons why, a controversial figure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know why, but I mean, I sort of know why, but it just seems weird because I don't feel like I'm controversial, and I don't feel like I say controversial things. So the like controversy around me is like. Always a bit baffling to me. Just going to ask you one time. Just pull sorry, this, sorry. Pull, it's all right. Just get comfy and then pull the mic to you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You say, I, mean, yeah, I think I'm push. worried about like hitting my face on yeah. it. You've got very good uh, posture. You're very... You're very my sister's a dancer, so I think she always harassed me about my posture all the you're time. You're actually so. up almost higher than me. I think my seat might have crushed. So there you go. I think that we should also point out that we're wearing matching t-shirts. Yeah, did you notice that? <laughs> Joyce. Literally, literally turned up to the that's, airport. That's, that's weird. I'm both wearing... There you go. Rolling Stones, and, and you didn't change wearing, it. She you was wearing wearing Good outfit planning. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. It's I. I put a message on our Facebook, the the show Facebook page today, and I said, um, "Ban from Twitter," which was kind of your world famous point. Ban from Twitter for amongst other things, saying men aren't women, which some people find to be a completely sane, rational, and normal point and other people find to be the most transphobic thing you can say. Mm-hmm. They seem to be the two parts of this conversation. Would that be a fair synopsis? Yeah, I mean, apparently material reality is transphobic nowadays. To So to say that a man is male and a female is a woman or whatever is... Uh, offensive to some people. I'm not exactly sure why, because I don't think it's offensive to have a biological sex, but 
When you say you don't know why, have you spent time like trying to jump into the other shoes going, if I was in this boat, I could see why it would be offensive? Well, yeah. I mean, I've talked to tons of people about this. It's not that I've not talked to the other side. And in fact, I try to talk to the other side all the time and they won't talk to me, right? Like on um, News Hub, they couldn't get anyone to debate me. And that's common. Like media has tried to get people to debate me when I was in the UK. They tried to get somebody to debate me and nobody will do it. We've tried to hold panels um, or others have tried to host panels in Vancouver. Um, where they've tried to get, you know, trans activists or trans identified people or whatever academics who support this ideology to, you know, participate in the panel or to participate in a debate. And no one will do it, which is really frustrating because I feel like, you know, I want to have those conversations. And I think it's totally possible to have respectful conversations and to disagree or or disrespectful conversations, like however you want to do it. I don't understand why we can't just have the conversation. And even you know, at, at my events and things like that, generally the protesters, so the people who are really angry with me, the people who say that I'm being hateful or that I'm saying offensive things, they won't come. Like I want, I wish that they would just come. And then we, there's always a Q and a, they're yeah. always like affordable events. Like, you know, the, the one I did in Toronto is $5 a ticket. You know, it's not, anyone can come basically. Um, and tell me why they're mad and tell me what it is that's offending them or whatever so that we can, I can respond or at least, you know, there's some sort of... What have you heard? Like, uh, surely there, every now and again you get someone who goes, whatever the point of question would be, you kind of go, oh, that's an interesting point. Like, does that ever happen? When Can you think of an example where someone with their opposing view to you makes a point that makes you double think? Well, it doesn't make me double think because I'm right. But <laughs> I am. I know that I am. It's not like I think um, that about everything I say. Mm. You know, there's things that I've changed my mind about, you know, and hopefully if you're a mature adult and you're interested in learning and you're engaged with the world around you, you will change your mind about things and you'll sure. learn things and you'll whatever. But in this case, I mean, what I'm saying is really well, quite well, basic. Okay, so, so, so pause. Give us the elevator the elevated lift pitch, you know, the, the the 30 seconds. What is it that you're saying that you are saying today? This is right. What I'm saying is right. We better put out there what it actually is. So yeah. exactly what are you saying? So I'm saying that biological sex is real. You can't change your biological sex. So if you're male, you can never become female, vice versa. That's not a judgment. I'm not saying you're not allowed. You're not allowed in our club. I'm just saying it's not possible. It's impossible. I mean, you can get cosmetic surgery, so if you're a male, you could get uh, breast implants or you could go so far as to get the genital surgery. I hope, I mean, those surgeries are really kind of awful, I think. So I kind of, I wish that people wouldn't do it just for their own benefit because you end up in a position where you can't enjoy sex and things like that. But whatever, it's your prerogative. If you want to do that, do sure. that. Fine, I'm not going to stop Just you. a pause though. <clears throat> you say, it's not like I'm saying you're not now in our club. On some element, isn't it kind of that that is what is being maybe not by you, but is what's being said. In other words, you know, you hear about women only spaces and stuff. It is kind of saying you can't come into our club on for some people on some. I level. mean, I guess if you think of a transition house as like a sorority house, then you can see it in that <laughs> way. But it's not right. Like so, it's framed as exclusion. <clears throat> right. When I mean, really, what we're talking about, we're not even talking about that many spaces, right? And the spaces that we're talking about are spaces that it's not like a party. It's like the change room, the transition house, female prisons. You know what I mean? Like it's For you, is that every, obviously, this is mostly a conversation around transgender women. 
It doesn't seem to, and I think this is an interesting point that we might come back to you later, that you don't have these conversations around transgender men so much, including in the sports thing. Um, but is that your position about, for example, the changing rooms completely, or if someone's gone through a full medical, physical body change, so they've had parts changed and, and, and present completely as female, how do you feel about them in the restroom type area, or do you still stand by no? Well, so, I mean, usually when I'm asked this question, which I am pretty regularly, I respond by saying that it's just not what we're talking about. So when I got involved in this debate, it was because what was happening was that this legislation in Canada, Bill C-16, and in various other countries, similar bills, similar legislation, um, were being presented and pushed through that said anybody who self-identifies as the opposite sex is literally the opposite. So it has nothing to do with surgery and hormones. So, so it's like we're it, not having that conversation. If we were, then maybe we could be talking about, okay, if you yeah, had all sure, the surgery, sure. blah, 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 then we can talk about it, but it's not. Um, well, and most trans-identified people haven't had the surgery. So what we're saying is self-identification basically says, I am female or I am male because I say I am. Exactly. So you or like I could sit here and say I'm a man and you would have to be like, yes, you're a man. You know, there's nothing there's nothing that's changed about me. I've just announced it. And that's what these laws say. And yeah. that's what this ideology says. Right. This ideology isn't talking about surgery and hormones even. I mean, of course, there are people and, you know, we can get into this later or whatever. They're putting kids on hormones, which is really horrible. That's after the third drink, I think. <laughs> yeah. OK, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but, yeah, I mean. So to me, that's not the issue because that's not what we're talking about. So C- C-16 is what Jordan F- uh, Peterson has become world famous for, his pushback against um, compelled speech. That's primarily your starting point as well? Yeah, so both of us kind of said, uh, I mean, we were probably the most well-known, I can't think of anyone else who really was known for saying something at around the same time when this bill was presented, mm-hmm. although he became far better known than I did because of... Sexism? I thought, do you know what I, what I thought you were going to say? <laughs> what? I thought you were going to say because of Joe Rogan, but maybe. Well, like, why haven't I been on Joe Rogan yeah, and Jordan yeah. Peterson has been? Yeah. I think I'm I'm interesting enough for Well, Joe see, Rogan, but this but is the interesting, uh, I was going to say intersection. That's probably the wrong word to use with intersectional feminism, but, but you identify as you are a feminist. Would you classify yourself as that kind of classic Jermaine Greer second wave feminism? Or do you just call yourself a feminist? Or well, what I'm going to say is because then that does add another layer to this conversation that Peterson can't be involved with, because there's that element as well, which you as a as a female and as a feminist are someone who is maybe impacted by some of these rules and laws and changes to society more than someone else who's talking about it a little bit more academically. Yeah, and my analysis is quite different and I think I kind of have more skin in the game. Mm-hmm. So Jordan Peterson, I mean, he's not claimed to have skin in the game. He's concerned about compelled speech, which I think is important. Like I, I agree with what he says around that and I agree with his concerns. I'm not being dismissive of him, but my primary primary concern is around women's rights and the impact on women and girls more than anything else. And then of course there's all the other stuff, which is that it's nonsense and people are being forced to lie um, just pause because what we're going to do is have a conversation where people like yourself and maybe to a much more minor extent me are in this bubble that we have these chats all the time. So when you say uh, forced to lie, example, what are you talking about? So um, you just look- so others understand the you know who aren't 
consuming this on a daily basis like some others are. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows you can't change sex. Everyone knows who's a man or a woman for the most part. Um, you're looking at a man and that man's telling you he's a woman and you have to go along with it and pretend. And I mean, on one hand, it's it's ridiculous and you can make jokes about it. And on the other hand, I think it's quite dangerous because I think it's sort of I mean, girls, girls and women are already socialized to kind of not trust their gut and try to not hurt people's feelings and try to be polite. And abuse happens because of that sometimes. And that's not the only reason that abuse happens, but it happens because, you know, women are, and girls are sort of taught not to have boundaries and that having boundaries is mean. And so I feel like this plays into all that. So a right. man is going to be there and be like, no, I'm allowed to be in this change well, room. You can't say no. Like you're feeling yeah. uncomfortable. I'm a woman. I'm a woman. You have to accept it. The like, flip side of that is also, you know, and I and I am being not, not careful to choose my words, but I'm not in the world. I, I guess I am. I have the privilege of, sort of being a part of the patriarchy, so to speak, and having the privilege of being a man, a white man as well. Um, but the understanding that if you're a part of that protected group, which was controlling the world, for want of a better word, for so long, and you uh, then transition to being part of a different protected group and bring the same opinions and attitudes across that you used to have, you're like, well, I, you know, my group runs the world, so I'm going to run this world as well. And that seems like, exactly what's happening right mm. like it's like men are literally dominating the feminist movement you know at the women's march there's men speaking and dictating to women what they should think and what their movement should be about and dissing actual feminists you know in vancouver at the women's march in um i think it was 2018 this man who identifies as a what is he like a, a dominatrix right and also as a yeah he, he identifies it as a gender he identifies as transsexual, so I think he sort of I claims, I don't know, it seems to change a lot, but he identifies as a woman or a trans woman or transsexual or whatever, and also dominatrix, and he's at the women, Women's uh, March promoting prostitution as empowering for women and saying that, you know, feminists who are opposed to prostitution and feminists who are questioning gender identity ideology and all this stuff are evil. Like, he's talking shit about us, mm. and he's talking shit about women who... who you know, built this movement and fought for all these things that, you know, younger women enjoy today and apparently totally take for granted, like talking shit about women who built transition houses for women who have spent their lives fighting male violence against women and helping the most marginalized women in the world and mm. helping women who've been, you know, beat up and suffered the most horrible abuse. And this dude, this white man shows up and starts like, like, all you, no, 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 this is what you should be doing. This is what feminism is about. Like, it's like, talk about male entitlement. You know what I mean? So let me just clarify something with you as to the language in, in that you're using. Um, do you, if someone has is transgender, transgender female, do you refer to them as a transgender woman? No. So you call them a man? Um, so sometimes I'll say trans-identified male just to specify that they're identifying as trans. Um, every once in a while I'll say trans woman. Like it depends on the context and sort of what's easier and how fast I have to talk. You know, like if it's in a short interview and it's like you can't explain all of your vocabulary, then sometimes I'll say trans woman. Um, but yeah, male, man, like I'm not, I, I'm not into this pronoun thing. I don't think that it's necessary. I don't understand why it would ever be important for me to refer to a man as her. I'm not trying to be mean and I'm not trying to be antagonistic. Like I swear I'm not just trying to be a dick. Like it's just, I, it's, I, I'm not going to play into it because I think it's a slippery slope. So you, 
there seems to be a couple of conversations that go on here. One is that sort of C sixteen compelled speech with threat of you know legal action against you. The other is uh, a trans the trans community want to be identified as they want to be identified as. Um, I guess I'm, I'm so kind of I'm getting input from here and input from I've been told by people that you know I shouldn't be talking to you today. I've been told by people that all the work I've done as an ally in the LGBT community I've, I'm throwing it all away having you in this conversation today, that sort of thing. And I'm getting pulled backwards and forwards. From my perspective, if someone wants to identify as a trans woman, call themselves a trans woman, uh, I don't have a problem with calling her a woman, she, her, a woman. That seems to be, to me, you can educate me, different from then, you know, a a person who still uh, carries a a penis and testicles wanting to be waxed in in, in Canada, like JY, if we can say her real name or not. Yeah, you can now, the publication bans. There seems to be levels of it. And I reckon if someone wants to change their name or whatever by depot, I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, But but I guess what you're saying is you identify this as a bigger issue than just that. Yeah, so, I mean, what you do in your personal life is not really of my concern, so long as you're not harming other people, right? So if somebody in their personal life, if if somebody wants to change their name, if somebody wants to dress however you want, like, do what you want, do what makes you feel happy and good, like, I totally support that, but it's the imposing it on other people, um, and it's, you know, it might seem polite to refer to a trans person, a, a man who wants to be, who identifies as a woman or wants to be seen as a woman, as she. But to me, it's sort of like this never ending slippery slope of right. what next, what next, what next. And it gets really confusing. And it's and it's serious, too. Again, like on one hand, it's it makes no sense and it's unnecessary and silly. But on the other hand, you know, the media is now reporting on crime. So they're reporting on, you know, male violence against women. And they're saying, you know, like a woman beat up this this woman or like a woman raped this woman. And you sort of read through and you get to the end and you're like, and they'll mention trans. They won't even say that it's male. But like, it's like, oh, no, a man raped a woman. Oh, a man killed a woman. Oh, a man showed up and like stabbed a bunch of people. And they're reporting on it as a woman. And it's fucked. And in Canada... They've start the government started um, like uh, Stats Canada is now reporting on um, they're recording victims and perpetrators based on their gender identity, not their sex. So if a man commits a crime and he identifies as a woman, they're going to record it as a woman. And that's really messed up because now how do we track male violence against women? Male violence against women is still a really big problem. And this is going to mess with the stats big time. And, and I mean, I mean, I know that that's a, a very, you know, important point, but important sector to keep the, the stats on, but any stat, I mean, male suicide, totally. for example, you know, and that's obviously a very high number. And if, if that person is then being listed as female, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 this is going to be an interesting conversation. <laughs> well, and, and you know, and what stats do in part, there's, a, I'm sure a multitude of reasons why this is a bad thing that other people have, you know, you know, that I haven't even, I'm not aware of all the problems, but like one of the problems is that, um, organizations will get funding based on stats. Mm -hmm. So they'll put funding into, you know, for example, transition houses, shelters, rape crisis shelters, services for women generally based on stats, based on what's happening. Same thing for men, right? Um, And if we're messing with those stats and we're not recording accurately, then that's going to impact funding and that's going to impact services, which is a big deal. I mean, women are always, and marginalized people in general are always kind of underserviced, Mm -hmm. right? So... 
is there two layers of this for you? Is there sort of an academic societal push? And is there a personal layer as well? If there was a, if there was a transgender woman uh, in the studio with us today, uh, would you, and you were talking to, would you overtly refer to that person as he in front of them? Or would you call her she? Or that's what I'm thinking. That on, a, on a personal level, is it different from what you're trying to achieve and like educate society on? Yeah, I mean, on a personal level, I don't know that I would feel so obligated to, you know, if, you know, if I was talking to a friend and this friend was transsexual or whatever, I really don't think I would feel obligated to be like, he, he, he. I also think that if it was a friend, this person probably wouldn't be enforcing that on me and they probably wouldn't, you know, be offended or pissed off if I did. But mm. no, like in private conversation with somebody, whatever, like, but we're having a public conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, I still wouldn't, layers, I wouldn't but... say to that person, yeah, you're literally female. And I, but I doubt they would try to say that to me, you know, like if we were actually people who got along because I probably wouldn't. You mean that you doubt that they'd say I'm literally female? It just doesn't seem likely that I would be very good friends with somebody who was trying to convince me that they're literally female when they're male. But I, yeah, I, like on I'm, uh, on a personal level, things are different than we're when we're having a public conversation. We're talking about policy legislation and, you know, when I'm sort of normalizing something. So when you're talking publicly and you're normalizing yeah. this idea that a man is a woman and saying she, 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 like yeah. it might be polite. I mean, it actually, it annoys me that uh, Joe Rogan does this because I think he's like basically on side with my analysis and he thinks it's a big problem. He thinks it's a problem in sports when men are competing against women. But just to be nice, you know, he'll say she, he says she, and it pisses me off because I'm like, you know, like I know, I know you're just trying to be nice, but this has larger implications and you have this big platform and you're mm. sort of teaching people by doing this and you're normalizing. Well, something. But maybe he's not just trying to be nice. Maybe that's his line. I mean, I know that when he started talking about this overall issue, it was because of Fallon Fox. That's when mm -hmm. he that's when he laid his cards down. So I think a lot of his position is based around sports, especially combat sports. Yeah. And so maybe it's not him trying to be nice. Maybe like I, I personally, I don't have a problem calling, you know, a, a transgender woman. She, um, I was interested to to get your take on that, though, to see if it was, as I say, more of a public conversation point you're making. Like, I mean, not even talking about friends, and I'm thinking about Peterson again, Dr. Peterson, because he often gets asked if this was your student, how would you refer to them? And he often says, she, because in that con in that connotation, he just says, well, that that's different. That's different from actually saying the government has to tell me exactly. to use these words. And I often, I often find in conversation if you changed – uh, what the subject matter was and try to apply the same rules, that's when we have a real conversation. So this is New Zealand, right? You're in New Zealand. Welcome. Um, <laughs> we also call this country Aotearoa. Right. Like very, very, like like the indigenous Māori, we use Māori language a lot and interspersed with English. But if a government came out and said, by law now, you must call the country Aotearoa, and if you don't, there could be legislative issues for you, there'd be an uproar. Mm -hmm. Because... It's not about a, a protected group of people and it wouldn't have the same amount of, uh, you know, controversy around it for people to push back against that. Pushing back against this, it seems to be because it's involving the transgender community that it's more heightened. But the actual idea of someone saying, government, you can't force me to use words. Stop. We'll stop the conversation there. Not say what words they are. Seems completely just reasonable. at all. Just yeah, yeah. You can't force us to speak in a way that we don't feel comfortable speaking. I mean, if we choose yeah. to, that's a totally different thing. If we choose to out of respect or whatever, 
I mean, and there's also, again, like, it's like about a, a skin in the game kind of thing. Like, I, I, it, it annoys me a little bit, but I also get it why, like, a man would be like, whatever, just call her she. Like, what's mm. it to you? Like, mm. because it doesn't really make any difference to you. No, it makes completely. more difference to, and not even to me. Like, I don't, this isn't a personal issue for me. Like, this doesn't even impact me at all. Like, I'm not in prison. I'm yeah. not in a transition house. Like, I'm not... You know, like, it's not me. It's it's sort of other women that I'm worried about, other women who are in these spaces who are are vulnerable. And, you know, for them to, to be gaslighted in this way, like, I do see it as a form of gaslighting. And again, it's, it's, it's this larger context where um, women and men are socialized in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And where men are sort of socialized to... Um, ignore boundaries and well predatorial men especially predatorial men of course their whole thing is to ignore women's boundaries Mm -hmm. um and rape or assault or sexually harass or just you know make women feel uncomfortable and women and girls are kind of compelled to go along with it or socialized to go along with it or um you know they feel that they can't say no for whatever reason um and then for those women to have to say she i mean that there's more implications and, and that hurts women more than it would hurt you. I mean, it doesn't, what difference does it make to you if, if you call a man she? Like, this man isn't a danger to you. Mm. I, I mean. So the pushback from that, and look, I want to make it clear, this is not like an ambush conversation. I haven't brought you down here to kind of go, you're wrong, this is what we think. No. But, I, but I'm interested to investigate all the options. So what I'm going to say is the pushback to that would be, because I've heard the pushback to that, would be, well, you're using the word transition houses. I think we should make it clear. You're talking about like, for example, if a woman is in a violent relationship, because transition also implies transgender, like they transition, but you're talking about like a halfway house for women to get out of an mm. abusive relationship, for example. Yeah, okay. sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, so no, no, I'm that's talking, fine. Like yeah. women's refuge, we'd call it in New Zealand. Oh, right, of course. And in the UK, that's the same term, yeah. I think. Yeah, so, so, so that, that's the kind of, I'm just making that clear Where for a woman would go to escape um, oh, violence and you know their kids are there also so it's women and children so the pushback would be because I've heard it and and look I'm not even saying that these are the statistical truths you you will know I guess is that that doesn't happen that people in these halfway houses the women's refuge aren't being abused by uh, you know transgender female men identifying as women um, so again is it an academic concern or, or is it a very real concern um, well, in Canada, in these transition houses and shelters, there are men being allowed into these shelters because of these new policies, and there are assaults that's happened and, okay. and sexual harassment. So it has happened in women's shelter. Because I, I understand it academically as well. I understand, uh, and look, you know, I'm, I'm six foot four and 150 kilos, so I don't have any concerns at all. But I understand a, a five foot two, you know, 55 kilo woman who's just been abused goes into a women's refuge, and in comes a form of someone who's six foot one and 100 kilos i understand how that could be triggering and concerning and you know the worst things in the and world dangerous that, yeah. yeah but e- yeah even, and also e- just but that even, they feel unsafe but even know? if that person has no is, is no threat like if they're not going to abuse them or whatever i can understand how that smaller more vulnerable uh, female mm-hmm. would feel it and this is part of this conversation at the moment is i understand and i accept the hard time that a transgender person in the transgender community has what they're going through with things like suicide rates. But I also can understand that woman in the women's refuge and what she's going through. And how do we in society uh, protect a group? I mean, it's easy. Like it's like either, either what needs to happen is that we need to build spaces to service trans identified males specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Or we, you know, like we create more spaces for men who need protection. I mean, I sort of think like it's like, why, why can't these men use men's shelters just because they identify as trans? Like what? And, you know, if it's that men are being violent towards other men who identify as trans, then I feel like that's work that men need to do. Like men should be accepting men who don't. Um, conform to gender stereotypes, gender roles in their spaces. Um, it doesn't like women shouldn't be taking that on. Women shouldn't be made to feel unsafe and vulnerable because men are being shitty to other men. I've talked about this example several times. There is a politician in New Zealand called Rodney Hyde, ex-politician. He's actually part of the Axe Party, which you have had some interactions with David Seymour with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to interview him and ask him about his voting record, and he'd always say, "I always vote for the thing that brings freedom." But unfortunately, in lots of cases where you vote to bring freedom to a group, you impact or oppress another group. And what I hear you saying, and I wonder if this is part of the debate, well, I kind of know it is part of the debate, is that giving rights and freedoms and, you know, access or whatever to this group of people possibly does, definitely does, whatever the word is, negatively impacts this group of people. I guess I would would ask what... I mean, I know that you're not necessarily advocating this position and you're sort of trying to represent my opposition or whatever, but I would ask what rights trans people, people who identify as trans, don't have. So this is what happened to me last weekend, right? I interviewed someone who um, made me think quite a lot about it. And this is where I have I have no idea. I'm in flux. And look, just to let you know my background, I don't typically do the kind of, well, devil's advocate will say, I'm really like, what the fuck is this all about? Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's really genuinely where I am. And when people say to me, you shouldn't have you on, I I spoke to someone and I said, oh, Megan Megan Murphy, do you know who Megan Murphy is? And they went, no. And I went, oh, you know, she's she's probably most most well famous for knowing for uh, being booted off Twitter for saying men aren't women. Like half a second, oh, so she's transphobic. Like half a second. Like, as quick as that. Like, oh, she's a bigot. Like, didn't didn't know anything else, didn't know any kind of narrative, nothing. But as quick as that, you know, it's just like, and and, and I'm kind of getting pulled pulled at the post. I'm a fairly, like, if you look at my political leanings, uh, people will be aware of this who have, when I used to work on Talkback, he used to criticise me a lot. Um, I did one of those. In fact, Jason, if you wanted to, you could go to my Facebook page. I think I put it up. Um, I did one of those political compass things. Came out 93% Green Party. Now, in New Zealand, you don't get much more left, unless you're the Alliance Party. That's one further. But basically, that's about as far as you can go to the left. So that's where I politically sit. But also, I'm a beast who works in logic. And a lot of my kind of pushback in this area has started in the sports area. You know, watching um, people who are biologically born women transitioning to, sorry, biologically born men transitioning to women and then competing against uh, biologically born women, cisgender women who have stayed women and and, and wiping the floor with them. You know, breaking records all over the world and winning races and and, and, and not a problem. And I've kind of been going, that doesn't seem fair. So this, but this was my thing last. Sorry, this is a bit long-winded, but I'll tell you, this is exactly where I am. Oh, there you go. So that's my thing from, so look, 93% opportunities by Labour Party. So I'm... There ain't no, yeah, I'm as fucking left as I come, apparently. So in New Zealand, is I have to apologize for not totally understanding how politics work over here, but is the Green Party more left than the Labour Party? Yeah, so what you'd go is uh, Green Party left. We we don't really have that far, far, far left or far, far, far right. But you'd go Green Party left, Labour Party centre left, National Party centre right, Act Party right. Would that be fair, Jace? 
Excuse yeah, me. Although, although <laughs> if you compare it, if you, you know, I've heard a lot of people say if you compare New Zealand politics to American politics, pretty much everybody except, like, ACT would almost be middle, and even our, even our rightist wing, like, basically the National Party and Labour Party, Labour Party is Democrat, National Party is Republican, for lack of a better description, yeah. and even our National Party, who is, you know, Republican in their policies, you know, when it comes to economic stuff, would be considered very centrist in New Zealand. America, a very, very centrist country. Talk, talk to an American, you see the National Party at 25%, that's where my support would be. Um, so is... Is this the spectrum? Yeah, pretty like much. It's, okay. I mean, like, for example, there's even ones there, like the Conservative Party, uh, they won't get into Parliament, but they're still represented there because obviously they're a particular... The Opportunities Party actually don't have someone in government. So these are a party... And actually, this is an older one because that's that's Bill English, isn't it? He's no longer the leader of the National Party. But you speak to an American about our quote-unquote right-wing national government when they were in, mm-hmm. and our leader, John Key, who kept... Uh, interest-free student loans, working for families, which is basically a tax rebate for parents with kids, um, and a couple of other things like that, and free, obviously free healthcare. And Americans kind of go, well, that's not a right-wing party, that's a left-wing party, but right. that's our right-wing party. So that's so it's not the same as, as America, but that's sort of on our spectrum, that's what you'd call it. Yeah, and that, I feel like that's sort of similar to Canada. Sorry, I need to focus on the mic thing. Um, but, you know, like our conservative party is nothing compared to the right in the US, yeah. right? Our conservative party in Canada is not that conservative in comparison to the right in the US. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, of course, leftists like to pretend like the conservative party is like exactly the same because they want something to be really mad about. But And I'm not, I'm, I've never voted conservative in my life, but yeah. I'm just saying, it's like, give me a break, you guys, you're fine. Like, Canadians are like probably some of the most privileged people in the entire world and they just really want to feel like they have some drum to beat. And they really, <laughs> they really don't. Um, but yeah, so similar kind of spectrum. Well, we're I mean, both in the Commonwealth. Is that probably a part of it as well? Right. You know, I wonder if part of that kind of monarchy thing plays into our politics a little bit as well. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be probably our politics and your politics are more similar. It's all that Westminster system compared to the nutters that live just south of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Different histories. Um, but what I was going to say is, um, so that's where I sit. Yet there's a part of me which kind of goes, and it's this all or nothing thing, right? It's this all or nothing. You're either all in or you're not in at all. And so I go, and, and and I've said this before on this podcast, if people Google my name and they put LGBT beside it, for, for 15 years I've been an ally in that world. You know, I was a very loud voice, especially from a religious background, as to why same-sex marriage should be legalised. It's an area of my life I've been really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of me goes, it's really uncomfortable for me to go transgender women shouldn't be competing against biological women in sports because there needs to be nuance there. No. And it seems that in the world at the moment, we're not allowed to have nuance. And you see it in stand-up comedy and you see it all over the place. And what happened last weekend was I was talking about Casta Semenya. And I told you about the researchers. We had a conversation, Jace, about the researchers that we had in talking about the, the uh, transgender woman competing in sports a few weeks ago from Otago University. And I disagreed with them with the Casta Semenya situation because they were of the opinion that she should reduce her testosterone as well. That's, that's what the doping agency is. But I'm like, hang on, she has a, a naturally born advantage. It's how she was born. Just like uh, Michael Phelps uh, has a naturally born advantage that his muscles produce less lactic acid, enabling him to push harder. Mm. And if it's a naturally born advantage, I'm like, but 
but I don't think that she should have to reduce that. And then what I got challenged with was, is a transgender woman, is that a naturally born condition? Like a gay person is gay from birth. And of course it's not. I mean, there's no way to determine what trans is. I mean, what is it? What does trans even mean? Like, this is what I can't, I cannot get an answer. Like I say this over and over. I say, you know, like, what does it mean? What's your definition of transgender? And nobody will tell you. They'll just say it's just you identify as. Like it doesn't mean anything. If it's not from birth, like I, I talk about a, a, a gay person, someone who's gay. People would, most people would uh, agree that most people, ninety probably ninety nine percent of society would agree that that person is gay when they're born, gay yeah, through their life. It's actually not. And I mean, so to me, like I mean, I, I I don't know if you've read Douglas Murray's new book, but he talks about this and, you know, lots of other, whatever, gay yep. rights activists, whatever you want to call them, whatever. Um, I mean, some, it, to me, and I, I mean, I don't want to say to me because I'm not gay or lesbian, so I don't get to speak on behalf of these sure. people. But it doesn't matter. I mean, you're born... You're not born. Who cares? You have the right to love who you want to love. Like, I obviously, like, I support gay and lesbian people to have the same rights as heterosexual people and to be in the relationships they want to be in. Um, and it shouldn't matter mm. if you're born that way mm. or not. Um, and I think that so research that- shows that it could be a combination of both. And some people might be born that way. And some people, there might be other factors. And who cares? Um but with, I know that it legitimizes it if you say, you know, born that way or whatever, but that yeah. shouldn't be the issue. The issue should be like, you have the right to love who you want to love sure. and be in a relationship with who you want to be in a relationship with. Um, for, with trans, I mean, it's just not the same thing because it's like, okay, so you, maybe you have a mental illness. Like, is that what we're talking about? There's something in your brain that's, that's telling you you're born in the wrong body. Right. Right. Well, then so, that, that body, I always get it wrong, dysphoria, dysmorphia. Yeah, well, so okay, so the term that people generally use is uh, gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria. And the term that I use is body dysmorphia, because I don't think that the term gender dysphoria makes any sense, because we're talking about... So I guess I should explain, when I'm talking about sex, because people use these words interchangeably. Yeah. When I'm talking about sex, I'm just talking about biology. So whether or not you're... This is distracting, sorry. <laughs> um, whether or not you're, you're male or female, your mm-hmm. biology, that's it, nothing more. Gender, we're talking about social roles. So we're talking about the stereotypes that are applied to people based on their sex. So what we assume, construct. yeah, what we assume yeah. a man is, rats, how he should act. Girls like pink. Right, what yeah. kinds of jobs he should yeah. have, like how, how should they should behave. The, yeah. She should be a nurse, he should be a doctor. She's naturally nurturing, he's yeah. naturally aggressive, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So if we're talking about gender dysphoria, that doesn't make any sense to me because I kind of think everybody has gender dysphoria. Like, I don't feel like I fit all these stereotypes attached to femininity. You probably don't feel like you fit all these stereotypes attached to masculinity. Like, there's lots oh, well, of... I am a very masculine man, though. I mean, I am feminine, too. Like, it's like I I do... Like, I have long hair and I have long yeah, nails yeah, yeah, and yeah. I wear makeup. You didn't know where the air filter on your car was. No, I hear the change the air filter on my I, car I, for I, me. So yeah, I'm not that masculine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the irony is I probably feel like... In general, personally, I feel probably less masculine than you do, even though I know how to fix a car. Yeah. So it's just such but a. But apparently, I drive like a big old truck and I know how to change my own coolant. I mean, a man taught me how, but <laughs> thank do you. Know, you know. Do you know how to change? 
you know how to change the indicator fluid though that's the big I thing. don't know what indicator it's what indi- of, indicator it's fluid indicator fluid is one of those things it. that it's like you know when build the, it's, it's like a builder oh. asking their apprentice like to go get a point. long wait it's, it's one of those like, it's a trick it's a yeah. trick yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, like yeah. you can't lie to me or make those kinds of jokes because I will totally buy it <laughs> that's what those jokes exist for yeah we were at the bar no it's just mean to me because I'll be like really oh my god this girl at the bar this girl one of the women from the panel last night we were at the bar and she told me um we were talking about Australia and I was like I would be terrified to go to Australia everything scary lives in Australia like yeah. all she, the poisonous things you're talking about live drop, in Australia. drop beers yes yeah. and I was like what they're, they're a very that sounds so cute yeah, and she was like threat. it's a joke and I was like okay well you can't ju- I'm just gonna go along with it anyway this is a long <laughs> distraction but you know like so there's lots of ways that I obviously present as feminine and you know like I do adhere to the stereotypes yeah but yeah. not in all ways and never in all ways and you know when I was a young woman when I was a teenager when I was in my early 20s and I think tons and tons of women will be able to relate to this as well as men too in in terms of masculinity is that I was I, I struggled because I felt like I should be a way that I wasn't so I was like right. why can't I be like these these girls I see on TV, like, why does this feel uncomfortable to me? Why can't I act like this? Like, why do I feel like I'm not right in some way? And it's not, there's not something wrong with me. It's just that I am who I am. And these are stereotypes. And I don't, I'm not a naturally, you know, these are some examples. I'm not a naturally nurturing person. Like, I don't necessarily think that I'm over emotional. I certainly don't think I'm irrational. I don't think that I'm passive you know I don't I don't behave like a proper lady you can see me not behaving like a proper lady right now like I you know and and you you sort of are forced and and pressured to adhere to these stereotypes and so naturally you feel uncomfortable because you're a human and and you're uh, yourself the other thing I had this conversation with someone the other day who was saying you know feeling like being a like Eddie Izzard you know Eddie Izzard the comedian he's British comedian Back twenty years ago, he was uh, he was a transvestite. Now he's trans- oh yes, of now, course. Of now course. he's transgender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Been, been uh, in oceans, the oceans movies, and that kind of stuff. He's a great comedian. I heard actually, I, saw, I heard him on Rogan actually. And look, get that one, the second line down to the left. Yep. See, that's him presenting as feeling a bit female that day. And he, uh, that's how he kind of describes it. Sometimes he sometimes feels like, you know, feels feels he has a girl's day, and sometimes he feels like he has a boy's day. I mean, Sam Smith came out recently, the musician. Talking about being, <laughs> so I saw that eye roll. <laughs> talking about being on the gender spectrum, and now they're actually saying he. Sh- I don't know how he, he, she, it. Um, it's probably pretty he. aggressive. He um, possibly can be entering awards as a female artist because depending Ridiculous. on how 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 you're presenting on that day. But what I said to this person is, I've I've been a guy most of my life, all of my life. I don't know what it feels like to be a man. Like, I don't know. I don't exactly. understand that term. What does it feel like to be a guy? I, I don't know. So it's confusing to me, people saying, I'm feeling this or I'm feeling that. I mean, are they feeling more nurturing? What does that feel like? I'm very nurturing. I've got three children, you know, who, are, who might be at home watching this. Shouldn't be watching this. <laughs> um, but who, you know, I'm, I'm very nurturing to them. I'm a solo dad and, you know. I know. And I, I mean, I've been in, in lots of relationships with men where I felt like I was like the cold, <laughs> the cold one, the like non-nurturing one, the non like mushy one, the one that didn't like to like cuddle as much or the one who was like, you know, like, no, leave me alone. I got to work. I need space. Like, yeah. and sometimes not. But, uh, you know, I, I just I think that I don't know what it feels like to be a woman either. That mm. doesn't mean anything. What is it? You know, it's not about a feeling. It's like you're female or you're male 
And then you have a personality for various reasons, including evolution, but also including socialization, including how you're raised, including just the way you're born. Like nobody really knows for sure why anyone is the way they are entirely. You know, I have a twin and we're very different. We're fraternal, but we're very different. We have very different lives. She goes to bed at 9 p.m. every night and wakes up at like 5 a.m. I'm up till like 2, 3 a.m. every night and I sleep till noon. That's not the only difference. You know, like she's... It's uh, there's a million different. I'm more fun. <laughs> I'm joking. Haven't you I post, really like my sister. Have you posted this to your Facebook page? <laughs> She'll hear that. Um, so part of this conversation, she is, knows that she knows that we're different. She's more responsible than I am. We are kind of going all over the place. Is what we always do, right? But part of this conversation was always also about that. That we, you know, a few whiskeys ago. Um, well, pardon me. There goes the whiskey. Um, <laughs> I'll be doing that soon, I'm sure, in a very ladylike way. One of the things I love is uh, Tom Zagura, the comedian, his wife, Christina P., they do a podcast, and they have a fart mic. So it's under the table, and they try, oh, and, get at least, they try and get at least one fart. And she's this is the, like a man thing. No, no, like, she's the one that's grosser about it. Okay, then she's I guess the I'm being sexist. We're going to need to get a, a bigger mixing I'm anti-fart. Desk I think it's <laughs> gross. If you want fart mics, we're going to need a bigger mixing desk. Um, Ladies, don't fart. <laughs> back to this idea. That's very sexist. <laughs> um, that back to the idea of as as you are born, uh, and I, I think for me, the, this whole conversation. So I was having this conversation uh, a weekend ago, one of our podcasts, and we were talking about gender. And my guest, lovely person, respect her immensely, like talking to her, want to talk to her again. Was talking about you know being a certain gender since from birth, and I was like, well, hang on. For such a long time, especially with and amongst the feminist movement, you know, especially people like Jermaine Greer and those have been educating us that gender is a social construct. You can't have gender as a social construct and have gender from birth. You have one or the other. And if it's not from birth and it's a social construct, then where does that leave us in this conversation? And then my head exploded and I realised I need to keep talking and thinking about this. But it, it seems, and this is where I've come to in this this and many other conversations, I feel like we are in society at the moment in such an area of flux with language that we are using different words for different things. And part of the conversation is party A is saying this about gender and party B is saying this about gender, and they're actually using those terms completely differently. And one of the things I heard Jordan Peterson say was that the, the reason that a government would have to... Um, you know, compel speech is because society doesn't want to pick up that speech. It's like speech and words in general, they have a natural evolution. Like in New Zealand, we have lots of slang words. Yeah, we say choice, but we used to say choice. And that was like a way of going cool, you know? Oh, choice. Oh, choice drink. You know, right, I feel of, like that's like a 90s thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's not, and my kids don't do it, so yeah, there's something from back in the day. Like I feel like Canadians maybe did that okay, in the 90s cool. too. So. Uh, but that grew and that evolved and that was picked up by... And it became, then it became scucks. Scucks, bro. In the 2000s. I've never heard Scucks. Oh, that's because of Taika Waititi. And he did uh, Taika Waititi, the, okay. uh, the director of Thor Ragnarok, and he's just done Jojo Rabbit. And yeah, you don't know him. So you're not from New Zealand. This is a little bit offensive now. I've just become offended all the time. <laughs> Sorry. The fact that you haven't heard of, you haven't like, seen. You know, wow, those are some interesting words. A, yeah. So he, <laughs> Pacific he, Island Jew playing playing Hitler in a, in a comedy about it as an imaginary yeah, boy. It's very friend. funny. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, he, in one of his movies, it was Scucks As, bro. S-K-U-X. Or, uh, and, and that was like then picked up as like the new choice. But the point that Peterson was making, and I, wasn't, I was going to do the quote without saying who it was from, because if I'd have just said that, 
language is picked up naturally, and if it's not picked up naturally, it falls away because society doesn't want it. People wouldn't disagree with that. But when you say Jordan Peterson says, people go, yeah. that's not true. And one of the rare points he made in a uh, – people can Google it. It's like a 55-minute clip where he debated in, in Canada on a television show with like five other people. And he's basically – I am paraphrasing. He's basically saying – the society doesn't want, quote, unquote, these words, the compelled speech, and that's why the, the the government has to compel them. You know, if you actually just let it flow naturally, these words would disappear anyway because that's how language works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I wonder about that, and I wonder if that's true. But then the counterpoint is always, you know, uh, especially in America, which Canada's not, and I think that was a point that was made several times in this debate, you know, there's a difference between freedom of speech and freedom of expression, I think, is the Canadian version of freedom of speech mm. um, is that, you know, there were certain words that uh, I guess the point is that the people were forced to stop using, like the N-word, for example, you know, and that became a crime and or criminally possible. So the government has stopped people using words, but the difference is, is it a much of, that much of a bigger step to start people using words? And this was the debate. I mean, yeah. I mean, in Canada, at least, it seems that there are certain words, I mean, specifically within this gender identity conversation that have been taken up. And it's not that it's necessarily legal. So words like cisgender. Mm -hmm. So, um, or, you know, you know, it's and yeah, actually, on on uh, in New Zealand, they're using this term also because on the n- news hub, sorry, I hope news hub nation. Um, news hub, that's yeah, it's one of our two. Yep. Yeah. And, so and the guy that was show. interviewing me told me that I was a cis woman, and I was like, I'm not a cis woman. Like, I don't identify with femininity. Like, cis means you identify with the gender you were born with, or that's the gender quite, imposed quite on you uns- at birth, unsigned at birth. Yeah, yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't identify with femininity. I'm not a woman because I identify with all these stereotypes, as I said earlier. So I'm totally in opposition to this word. I think it's a sexist word. So you're it's being woman. imposed on me, and you know the media is using it, and they're saying, you know, cisgender, cisgender, and this is an, this is a word that basically was invented by academics, like gender studies academics. Right. So would you say that you're a woman because what? I'm female. XX chromosome. I'm female. I mean, it's not, it's not just chromosomes. Like yep. it's, it, it is chromosomes, but it's also like, you know, it's not, it's just not complicated. People are acting like it's like confusing to know who's a woman and who's a man. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, like, do you produce sperm or ova? Like, mm-hmm. do you produce eggs or, or sperm? I mean, everyone knows how babies are made and that's how you can tell for the most part who's male and who's female. There's ab- abnormalities, of course, and then there's intersex conditions, but, you know, again, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about trans. We're talking about obviously male or obviously female people wanting to identify as something else for whatever reason. They want to feel special. They have some kind of mental illness. You know, they have gender dysphoria, body dysmorphia. They feel like their body's wrong. Um, or they just don't identify with those stereotypes as most of us do. Do you think... Or do not, I should say. It feels like that this is something that is, is here to stay is permanently going to be with us. Nah. Ten years from now, we're going to be like, what? what were you talking about? That was weird, hey? You reckon? Yeah, it's ridiculous. You don't think it's just going to become... And ten years from now, there's going to be like a billion lawsuits from these trans kids who grew up and were like, oh, man, these like you ruined my body and now I'm sterile and I'm fucked and I have all these other like... Like, you know, like we don't even know all the implications of mm. going on these hormones, but mm. we do know that it renders kids 
as adults sterile. We know that um, it increases the risk of cancer. There's all sorts of, you know, there's no not enough long-term research, but there's going to be, I, I guarantee there's going to be a bunch of lawsuits from these people who've bought, whose bodies have been like totally fucked up and they were told, you know, you'll get all these surgeries and then you'll literally be female and they realize they're not and they just have a fucked up body. They can't enjoy sex, they can't give birth or they can't, you know, whatever, they can't have kids. Like The idea of uh, hormone blockers, I, I read something just the other day about a high-profile young transgender American put on hormone blockers and apart from anything else, apart from what you're selling, you know, the, the downstream negative effects, that because... Um, a male to female transition because she didn't uh, go through a natural puberty uh, as a as a male. Yeah. Um. Her her penis didn't jazz grow. Jennings? Yeah. Jazz. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Penis didn't grow, and yeah. because the penis didn't grow, couldn't actually get the surgery to make a vagina because that's a part of the process. So actually, the the hormone blockers actually stopped her from transitioning as she wanted as an adult as well. Let, let alone anything else you've said, just purely from the side of if you did want to continue on that path, it's detrimental as well. Yeah, and it's really sad. And it's like, I mean, it feels weird to talk about other people's bodies or sex lives, especially when they're underage. But I mean, it's not, a a kid or a youth isn't equipped to make a decision about whether or not they want to um, have kids as adults Mm -hmm. or whether or not they want to enjoy sex. I mean, literally, like these people are going to be like not able to orgasm and that's like a really enjoyable important good part of people's lives and i mean you can't explain that to a kid because how would a kid know well that's the other thing i mean you, you can't explain to a kid how how terrible this fantastic whiskey would be to their system so we just don't give it to them yeah or the cigarette exactly. or the you know how they're not they're not old enough to yet drive a car because they don't get to make decisions that will impact them, their lives for their lives. And this seems, this seems to be another aspect of this conversation. There are some people who go, you're 25, you're 22, you're making adult decisions for yourself, for your own life, more power to you. But kids, you know, leave them alone. That seems to be a maybe not a third aspect of this conversation, but another one on top. There is a group of people saying, personally, if you want to do it, go for it. But imposing it on a child or allowing a child to make that decision at 11 is ludicrous. Yeah, there's no way that a child can make those kinds of decisions or understand the implications or the the future harms. Mm. So if you think this is going to disappear in 10 years from now... I mean, not I, maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years, but I do think, I mean, people are getting pissed off. The sports thing is like a big thing. Like, I find that a lot of people have sort of gotten engaged in this debate and gotten pissed off about what's going on because of the sports thing because it's so obvious. Like, you yeah. see this tall, big dude standing next to women and you're like no like this is this is unfair like this is a a lot of men have gotten on board because of the sports thing because men know that they're stronger than women like they know that that's unfair like yeah right so you say got on board with the argument yeah 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 so they're they're being like okay wait a minute like i still haven't watched this episode i have to watch i know everyone's talking about it let, let me just say can you bring up that news hub one first of all because there's an article at the end of it um, there's a couple of articles. So you know how I said to you when I when I explained who you were in one sentence about kicked off Twitter, yeah. and someone went really quickly. Oh, so she's twenty five. Like no, no other information. Last two paragraphs. Scroll up, scroll up, scroll up, scroll up. Yep, stop. So Rachel McKinnon, who is a transgender world track cycling champion, has come out saying that this episode of South Park 
was transphobic and late uh, and lazy. And then this is what I about. It's kind of um, in fact we were talking with Di yesterday, another guest. We Rachel had McKinnon, the mediocre athlete who's now uh, setting records in female <coughs> cycling. We had a conversation <laughs> yesterday about how do you get back into society once you're. Like a Louis C.K., how does he come back into society after, after being wronged and doing something? Do we just throw them under the bus forever or not? And the attitude from this is just like just throwing people away. So this is what she said, Rachel McKinnon. She's an academic as well, from my understanding. South Park has been deeply yeah, transphobic the entire PhDs. time, she quote. This isn't their first explicitly transphobic storyline. It won't be their last. Stone and Parker are transphobe. Write them off. Ignore their lazy show. No one cares what you think, Rachel McKinnon. Like, people who watch South Park are not the kind of people who are going to be like, <gasps> transphobia. Like, South, Car- South Park is, like, so offensive. Not offensive to me. I think South no, Park is it. great. But it's like, so the audience is not is not the, like, call-out culture, cancel yeah. culture audience. So, like, give me a break. But the thing about this episode, and I have seen it, and... Um, what they do basically is the at the end of it, they come to a point where the conclusion is, wow, there's probably more nuance needed to this conversation than what's going on right now. That's the conclusion of the episode. And I think that's a perfectly fine conclusion to talk about this side is bang and this side is bang and actually until we get to some conversation in the middle, maybe that's going to stay conflict like this. I'm looking at you as I say that. I'm thinking you probably think that that kind of this side bang has got the right answers. It should be like that. I mean, it's do you really, think there should be more nuance, or do you think that your position there is, is no nuance? I mean, there's there's male athletes and there's female athletes. Mm. I mean, it's it's not there's there's no if you reduce your testosterone. So this is what they're saying. You know, like men who identify as women or trans women or whatever who are athletes, if they reduce their testosterone to a certain level then they can compete with women. It's fair. And it's not true. I mean, there's Mm. no... Reducing your testosterone doesn't change your body. It doesn't rid you of the advantage that you have as a male. You've already developed as a male. You've already gone through puberty. You already have, you know, more muscle mass, um, different bones, different bone structure, longer limbs, bigger organs. Um, You're most likely taller. Um, There's there's just so many differences between males and females physically. Like your your skin is different. I told you this earlier. Uh, You move your body differently. The way you walk is different. Um, So yeah, it's ridiculous to 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 say that. So I I don't think there is nuance. There's not. I mean, if you if you if you want to go on hormones or reduce your testosterone, then go for it. But then maybe you can't be an athlete. Like maybe you can't compete in sports anymore. You don't need to do that. That's a choice that you're making. So don't make that choice. And that comes back to that conversation you said way earlier about, it's not like we're trying to exclude you from the club. Um, You know, that's where I tend to sit as well. You know, elite sports is probably not a place for transgender women. We don't hear the conversation from transgender men. And I'm using the term that you won't use, but that's how I think about it. Because they don't dominate sports. You made the perfect point with Rachel McKinnon, and I've made this point before, and I've actually done the research. Um, we have an athlete in New Zealand, Laurel Hubbard, who's a weightlifter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was a favourite to win the gold at the last Commonwealth Games. She got injured and had to pull out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I did a deep, cause, because she is the daughter of a very famous man. Hubbard's is a, is a cereal brand in New Zealand, and her father oh, was Oh, I didn't the, know that. I have yeah. heard of Laurel Hubbard. Yeah, her father was the mayor of Auckland, so it's not hard to find out what her quote-unquote dead name is. Not that I'll do it on air, but what it is. And then searching that name for weightlifting results, I found one that was a kind of third or fourth on Queensland's coast. And now Laurel Hubbard is, you know, breaking world records. Yeah. And you've just said it about Rachel McKinnon. 
it would seem to me that the conversation about is there an advantage is over because it clearly is. The conversation in society, and you won't agree with this, but the conversation in society from my aspect should be, are we okay with that advantage? Because I think people saying there's no advantage, it's, it's that, that's, that's gone. And like I said, Jace, I can't remember the names, I'm terrible at this. The guys we had in a couple of weeks ago, the academic, can you just bring up their podcast just so we can give them a, give them a, a shout out? Not that crumbs, what's that horrific photo you've got there? Um, the, uh, they very clearly laid out all the, there you go, Alison Heather and Lindley Anderson. So from Otago University, academics laid out all the research, pointed to things that happen in utero like testosterone in utero that mm-hmm. changes the physical body, that gives uh, boy babies bigger lungs and girl babies smaller lungs because they have to have room for a womb. Yeah. So uh, that that does things like that, different synapses in the brain that fire in different ways. Between None of that changes. And they were really respectful. I would encourage anyone to watch that episode. They were doing things like they wanted to make sure they, they wouldn't mention any athletes' names until I was a dick and mentioned Custis and Menu because I forgot. Um, but they actually wouldn't. And they, they wanted to make it very clear that no one is, is cheating because, you know, even though you may disagree with it, everyone's playing by the rules at the moment. The Olympic Committee has said you are allowed to do this. So a Laurel Hubbard or a Rachel McKinnon are not cheating. Mm-hmm. They're just, uh, according to the rules. So I they, mean... Well, but they, well, they, were trying to, they wanted to make sure that the focus of the conversation was on the research. And so they were very, very careful. And then going through uh, testosterone, you know, a head of testosterone and puberty, heart gets bigger, um, you know, more white blood cells, carries the blood. Lungs. Yeah. So I, I think that conversation's, um, from my opinion, that conversation's over. Yeah. There is an advantage from, from me looking into society going, the next conversation is now that we acknowledge there is an advantage, do we accept that? Now, that's not your conversation. I'm saying that's what I think a lot, of, a lot of us are now talking about, well, not literally talking, but I think that's the next evolution of this conversation. There is an advantage. Are we cool with us? Because, that, that, you know, just to jump in, that conversation um, isn't even a new one necessarily when it comes to female-male advantage. You just have to look at golf. Uh, you know, playing. I played golf growing up, and there's literally male and female tees. And so even, you know, at the invention of golf, yeah, however many hundreds of years right. ago, there was acknowledgement of the advantage. And... It could have been that that was totally, totally a social construct that they just saw women as weaker, the weaker sex, and so that was just the patriarch oh, imposing on that. Mm. And and then yeah, in general, um, you know, well, we're, physically, we're weaker, say like it's true, like it's yeah. like that's a, it sounds like an insult today or whatever because people want to pretend like we're equal. Well, thing, like, I, I remember, you know, when I was a young man, I went to the gym because I was, you know, wanting to go to the gym and and give my money away and pay a fat tax once I stopped. And I, I started at the gym. I hadn't been to the gym. I'd never been, never been to the gym in my life. Um, and I started doing, I don't even want to know what they're called, bicep curls, lifting weights, yeah. you know, doing that in, on the machine. And I started doing 40 kgs or something like that, I think. My sisters, um, who are both very, very physically fit, uh, also rugby players, to, eh? Rugby players, yeah. actually one of them was at a first division level. Um, both went to the gym and my other sister who was actually physically physically larger than my other sister so therefore muscular much more sort of has a better frame for muscles she said wow I can do 10 and I've been going to the gym for like a year mm. yeah um, it's, it's, just I like, mean, it's just I, the way it is yeah I, I actually started sorry I started uh, lifting weights this year and I feel like and I've been doing it for like a year year and a half and it's like I'm improving a lot and I think I, you know like but in comparison to what the dudes who just started are lifting, mm. it's nothing like it's pathetic. Mm. And it's like, I'm, I'm never going to be able to lift as much 
as these guys who haven't even been lifting weights for as long as I it have. It is funny though. Like, you, you talk about it sounds like an insult. I mean, when we had uh, the professors and the I mean, it's not. Show. I wish that people no, could no. just be like, okay, this is the reality. But this like, is the point. They were. She was talking about throwing like a girl. And, you know, that is sort of an insult. If you tell a boy, oh, you throw like a girl, it's taken as an insult. But the point she was making was how the ratio between the elbow and the hip for women is different to a man. So actually the arm goes out further and there is actually an action, which is throwing right. as a female form does. It's different. And I actually said during the podcast, it feels really weird. You keep saying throwing like a girl because it feels like an insult. But, it, but she was using it in a medical and academically correct way. And... Um, I said to her, well, what about, you know, like softball's very big in New Zealand. We have very good softball teams, especially at the top level. And um, I said, you know, see some of these girls just whipping it across. And they basically said, well, they're probably you'll find that they don't have the same hip to elbow ratio. And there, there are, she didn't use the word anomalies, but, you know, there are slight differences in the physical. And prob- probably girls who throw the best are the ones who have a, a closer to a male form than a, a wide-hipped female form. And that's why. Yeah, and I mean, I, I actually, and golf is like a good example because it's not like golf is like feats of strength or like, you know, wrestling. Yeah. Like it's not, there's no like physical fight no, and you're not going to get injured. Like in lots of sports, like if you're playing rugby and there's a dude playing rugby against women, then women are, you know, maybe going to get hurt. Same thing in wrestling. And, you know, but golf is a good example because I, do, I don't know anything about golf, but it's, you know, about form and what. Yeah, how, more timing than anything. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I but actually shouldn't right. talk about golf because I'm no, no, like, yeah. actually, golf, like this thing that I've done maybe it's, once it's in It's interesting, time, though, like, yeah, because the thing is, um, having played golf, it's not about strength. Yeah. It's totally, you know, I'm a terrible golfer. Like, it's about form, t- I assume. It's about form. Yeah. So, like, yeah. there is absolutely, you know, I'm a terrible golfer, and so I guarantee that I'm probably worse than most average female at, at females at golf because it's all about form. But for some reason, they just, I think, when it comes to the final hit, there's just that little bit of power is required. Well, it's not just okay. power, though. You think about a fulcrum, you think about, a, you know, if you're coming yeah, exactly. up from a higher... If a male on average is higher with well. longer arms yeah. and can swing that, you know, can get that club, club moving just, you know, 15% faster, which yeah. on it, I think, I'd, I'd have to look it up, but I think the golf, the tees aren't much bit different. I think maybe 20 feet on maybe a par four, which it depends, is yeah. maybe 3 or 4% closer. Right. Um, which is, you know, just acknowledging that they obviously got a bunch of women together and got them to hit a ball and got a bunch of men together and averaged it out and said this is the difference. Yeah, I mean, there's a problem, and it's partly, like, feminism's fault, actually, but this thing where, like, equality is the wrong term to use when you're seeking, you know, women's rights. Like, it's not about men and women being the same. They're not the same. Mm. And we sort of progressed past equal rights and so you know being treated equally in the workplace mm-hmm. and ensuring that women have equal access to education and um positions in politics obviously to vote things like that to you know function as autonomous independent beings and we sort of progressed to this men and women are the same and women can do everything men can do and and men can do everything that women can do and it, it, we're you know like we all we're all exactly the same. There's no differences, and it's obviously not true. So we sort of need to backtrack a bit and acknowledge that there are differences, and it's fine. We're do different. You, do you and think acknowledging the fact that we're currently in New Zealand, first country in the developed world to give women the vote? <laughs> so there you go. Kate Shepard was our was our was what was the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Suffragettes. Suffragettes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So first country in the world to give the women the vote. There you go. Do you think you go. in the 1980s? Um, places like Sesame Street pushed it, and they went all over the world. They were here, obviously. You know, girls can do anything. Do you think that's played into this? Because girls can't do anything, just like boys can't do anything. There are some things that we can and we can't do. You I mean, can't boys, get pregnant. Boys can't have babies. 
But mind you, in saying that, some people would consider that transphobic. Yeah. That I say boys can't have babies because now, and I have read about us <laughs> in some US, they have things like tampons in boys, men's, uh, male, male changing boys rooms. Boys menstruate too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so when I was, I was in Sweden last year to talk about gender identity at this uh, feminist conference um, or gender equality conference or something, and I said, you know, Men can't have babies. I mean, mm. this is one of the most obvious differences between men and women is men can have babies and the or they can't give birth. Um, and this uh, female who identifies as a trans woman stood up and had the last word, unfortunately, so I didn't get to respond. But she should, stood up and said, I'm a man and I've given birth. So... And that was disproving my entire my entire argument, and everyone applauded. And was everyone like, applauded. I so was like, the reason I didn't get to say that, like, it's the reason that you gave birth is because you're a female. You're not a man. You didn't just prove that men can get pregnant and give birth. Men cannot get pregnant and give birth. What you just proved is that you're a female. So there's a difference between female and male. Yes. Compared to man and woman. No. Well, a man is which an is the adult. gender. Okay, so a male man, and female is is the biological sex. Gender is masculinity and femininity. So like um, a man a, a man is an adult human male and a woman is an adult human female, and gender is masculinity and femininity. So those ideas around the stereotypes, right? Like mm. so the nurturing, aggressive, rational, irrational. Um, you like pink. Uh, you like dresses. You are you play with trucks versus dolls. You wear makeup. You have long hair. You wear high heels. So what about rock stars who have long hair and wear makeup? And are exactly, male? exactly. I I was just thinking as you were talking about that person who stood up. If gender is a social construct, what is the correct gender term for a female, like like a, a woman, a girl? Because if it's a social construct, and I'm just kind of exploring what you've said about you can't basically change, if it's a social construct and you transition, as a social construct, can't you therefore change the terminology and that be acceptable? Or is it because you've been, quote-unquote, male for all your life and that's the social construct you've come under? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm well, like, why do you need to change the terminology? Why don't you just be like, I'm a man and I don't ascribe to masculinity? I don't think that's actually respectfully necessarily a relevant question why do you have to because you want to why do we do anything because we want to half the time so yeah but it doesn't make sense so well, do it <laughs> then say again like this comes down to like public versus private so privately yeah, okay. you can be like in your brain like i'm a woman but you don't get to legally say that you're literally female so you would be against obviously changing birth certificates and that kind of thing mm -hmm. what about in a workplace type setting if you know, uh, the person who was born Jimmy, who's now Jane, wants to be referred to as Jane, and the workplace says, "Go fuck yourself." Well, We're he doesn't call you get Jimmy. to force everybody else to do what he wants to do. I mean, people. This be? is about the compelled speech yeah, yeah, thing, sure. right? Like, probably in a workplace, maybe just to be polite, everyone would be like, "Sure, we'll start calling." him, her, and Jane, just to be nice. But it's different when we're talking about legally and you have to, otherwise you're guilty of like a hate crime. Yeah. What about, um, you I know, mean, and I'm not, and everyone shouldn't have to do it, but maybe everyone in the workplace would just go along with it just to be nice. What like, about, fine. you're obviously got a bit of the Celtic root. I can see it in the hair. 
I see it in the beard. <laughs> what about my tan skin? Yeah. What about the uh, the workplace calls you? Hey, you ginger, and you're like, I don't want to be called ginger, and they're like, Well, fuck you, I'm going to call you ginger anyway. Well, I can't make them not. Like I but can should, say, you know, this pisses me off, or I don't like. I mean, I I, I don't. Should care, there be some recourse? No. So should like, there be get, toughen up, man? Like yeah, yeah, so, yeah. someone calls me ginger. I'm, like people say all sorts of shit about me. Like deal with it. Like the world is not going to be nice to you all the time. They're not going to do what you want them to do. Right? Hey, um, just secretly, right? No one's going to know this. Do you have a secret Twitter account? No. Not even like you haven't even got a fakey out there because you you must come up on Twitter a lot. Yeah, it's really irritating. I can't. But you haven't even got to stand it. Well, I want to be. Well, because what's the point? Like, it's like, like to, I wouldn't have any following. On. Well, I can still see. Like, you can still look at Twitter, even if you don't have a Twitter account. Um, but, like, you know, it would just feel, like, sad and frustrating because you aren't, like, what would you be doing? I don't know. Trolling? I use I use Twitter primarily as a source of, of, of receiving information rather than seeing I use Twitter as a way to, like, spread my, spread my message. Now <laughs> I sound like a cult leader. But, you know, to engage with people as me, yeah. um, to respond to libel, to connect with other people. Like, I don't, I, it wouldn't be fun for me to have some kind of, like, anonymous Twitter account that was just, I mean, what would I be doing? Defending myself? I, I'm just thinking purely, I mean, I use, I get a lot of news from Twitter. I use it as a I source of... I still look at it. Like, yeah. I can, I still look, but, yeah, I don't have a, a me secret account. So, uh, let's, I want to go through this, Yeah. What I think we'll do to start with, actually, tell, Jace has got something to say. Obviously, throw what you got, Jace. What oh, are we talking about? I was just, um, I was just looking into this because I saw some people talking about it in the comments. Um, that I, th- I have to look at this further to see what if, what the process is. But it looks like um, I, I didn't know this. Um, but it looks like in New Zealand, you can literally choose your identity, an official identity. So your driver's license can say um, what you want it to say. Um, and, and I didn't even realise this must be newish that you can have a X as well so undetermined unspecified so your official identification including passport you can choose in New Zealand uh, whether you are male female uh, irrespective of what um, genitals you have mm-hmm. or chromosomes you have mm-hmm. how do you respond when people say why are you so fascinated with people's genitals what's your response to that because that's a common like, pushback as well. Like, what a stupid thing to say. I know. It's like, I'm not. Like, it's like, when am I talking? I'm not talking that much about people's genitals. I talk about male penises in the in the context of change rooms, because mm. I'll say, like, you know, like, yeah, like, it's inappropriate for a man to be standing around naked with his penis out when there's women and girls around, mm. like, in a change room. But I don't talk. It's not about genitals. And I feel like that speaks more to them and their misunderstanding, whether intentional or unintentional, I think intentional, um, misunderstanding of women's concerns, misrepresentation of women's concerns. It's not like we're going around policing genitals. Like, it's about so much more than that. Do you know Blair White? Uh, yeah. You know of her? Yeah. Um, what about her in a changing room? How would you feel about it? Like, like, you know, I know that it's hard to bring it down to an individual thing, but she very much, can you have a look at I mean, Blair White's not the kind of person who goes around imposing um, his, you know, trans identity on everyone else like Blair wouldn't be mad if I said you're male because Blair knows that he's male so she he whatever like person to person I would probably call him she Just I don't open know open up the far, far left bro so this is Blair White Blair White's a um, YouTube personality I, I, very unique unicorn uh, conservative voice in the transgender community I say unique because um, not not the norm um and it was very clear. It was a big part of the Jay, the Jessica Yaniv conversation. Uh-huh. Um, refers to herself as her. 
presents very much as female. I know for some in the transgender community, that's an offensive thing to say because it shouldn't matter how you present. You're saying that like Blair passes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, easily. So, but I, I, I mean, okay, again, like I don't, this isn't the conversation we're having, so I don't like to have this conversation. But really, if if somebody actually passes and they're in the washroom, you're not gonna then know. who cares? Because yeah. no one's going to know anyway. Like, it's, you're not flaunting your dick. You're not making people feel uncomfortable. Like, then fine. Like, I, I wonder as well, this conversation. Like, also be respectful. Like, the other question is, like, if you're a man and you are using women's spaces and you know that you're making them feel uncomfortable, why are you doing that? Like, have some consideration. Have some empathy. Be concerned about how other people feel. I also wonder about this conversation um, that we in New Zealand don't have the same, same sort of grasp as North America, I, I feel like there's a different culture in North America, like in the changing rooms. Like we don't, I, I've had American friends when I was playing basketball and uh, the girls as well, they'd go into the changing room after they just strip off and get in the shower sort of thing. In New Zealand, we don't do that. That's not how people are at the gym or anything. It's more like go into the cubicle, take your, take your gears off, have a shower, get dressed, come out of the cubicle. Right. Toilets are all you know individual, that sort of thing. And I wonder if we don't have quite the same, um, understanding is what happens in America based on, you know, that kind of changing room ethos of just stripping down naked. Everyone's naked in the changing room using the facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. And I mean, it, I, I just, I, I find that this conversation is most often in the States, especially reduced to bathrooms and yeah. then change rooms as the next step. And what no one ever talks about or very rarely talks about is the prison issue um, because, you know, women who are in prison are some of the most marginalized women in the country. You know, women who are in prison, um, have high rates of assault and abuse in their past. Um, often there's struggling with drug addiction, mental illness. Often there's poverty. I mean, how do you end up in prison? Like you come yeah. from a marginalized place to yeah. begin with. Right. So these are already really marginalized women, women who suffer like an inordinate amount of trauma and mm-hmm. then suffer more trauma in the prison system. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're being forced to share spaces with men and the kinds of men who are being transferred to female prisons are men who perpetrated sexual assault or really horrific crimes against kids because, I mean, that's part of the reason why they want to be transferred because in the male prison system, they're going to be beat up because they, you know, did something really horrible. And they're perpetrating assault against these women and these women have no recourse. Like these are women who have no privacy, no boundaries, no rights at all. Yeah. And then they're being placed in prison with these assholes who are assaulting and harassing them. So transgender woman going into prison, uh, I'm, I'm hypothetically for this conversation saying post-op, being through all the all the operations, presents as, as female physically, um, you would say male prison for that person? Yeah, but that's not, I mean, those aren't the men who are being, the men who are being transferred into female prisons in Canada in any case are men who still have, have their bits. all their male parts. Because the other thing about that transgender woman going to a prison obviously would be a target for all those same rapes and abuses and that kind of stuff there. So I, I, I now look, I, it's just not the conversation that we're having and yeah, it's not yeah, what's happening. What's happening is that it's just men who are in prison already and saying, oh, actually, I'm a woman and I want to be transferred. Do, do you know what we're doing here, though? What we're doing is we're having that conversation that everyone wants to have with one fucking moron on this side of the microphone and someone with a whole bunch of thoughts on the other side of the microphone. And I guess I'm getting to ask all those questions and have those thoughts out loud that everyone has. 
Because what you're saying, I believe, is the two or three examples that are often used as defences, like the, the, the is not the broader picture of the legislative things you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think also we as individuals, we often adhere or or we go to those anecdotals or we go to those one or two stories because, you know, I've got a mate who, or I knew someone who. Um, or that's pe- what people think. Like, so when we talk about trans, maybe people are assuming that yeah. these people have had all the surgeries and it's just not the case. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to read you this message. You told me that you've got thick skin and stuff. Uh, I've just had a pers- pers- personal <laughs> message. No, a personal message from a, from a friend um, who I respect and love to bits. Um, I... I'm not going to read all of it because it's long, but someone says, I get your direction talking to me and standing up as an ally, but there is no reasoning with the turfs, and all it does is fuel a fire. I mean, that's, I find I'm that... I'm not going to mention their name. I, you know, that's that's their position. Sure, I just, whatever. But I want to see how you respond to that. I mean, no reasoning. Like, we're talking about people who say that if you disagree with them, they're guilty of a crime or they should be murdered. Like, what people say about people like me is that I'm... Guilty of hate speech, mm. um, that I should be beaten up, that I should be killed, that I'm a bigot, that I'm a horrible person. Seriously, actually, should be killed? That's Okay, so at our Vancouver, we had an event in Vancouver to talk about um, media bias and the gender identity debate. Yep. And some of the protesters stood outside with a cardboard guillotine with the words turfs and swerfs step right up. I mean, what's a swerf? I don't even know what that is. It's a sex worker, exclusionary radical feminist. So it's, I mean, that's not a real thing. There's no feminist that excludes prostituted women. Right. I mean, lots of my friends have been prostituted. What my opinion about prostitution in the sex industry is shaped. A smurf? What would a smurf be? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like so I mean essentially it's like it's like feminists who are critical of prostitution are called swerfs and it's misrepresentative just as turf is misrepresentative because we're not excluding trans so for but those, anyway for so they're just, saying we should be killed they were like step right up you guys should be murdered for those people who don't know trans exclusionary radical feminist turf yeah or would you consider yourself one no, of course not. I mean, I don't identify as a radical feminist anyway, but I'm not excluding anyone from anything. I'm excluding men from women's spaces, but I'm not excluding them because they identify as trans, and mm. I'm not excluding, you know, it doesn't matter to me whether or not you identify as trans or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no reasoning with TERFs. It's like there's no reasoning. Like it's like we're just trying to have a conversation. We're saying really pretty like basic stuff, and these are the people who won't engage, trans activists. Yeah. Um, who uh, misrepresent us, who smear us, who refuse to engage in debates, refuse to, you know, come to the well, conversation, but there is a, but, the, but there is Like, a, there's no reasoning with somebody who's going to insist that a male is a woman and yell it over and over and over and over again. And then when you say, what's a woman? Like, if you're insisting that this man is a woman, what does yeah. that mean? What does it mean to be a woman? And they say, what? No, fuck you. And, like, shut it down. Like, that's unreasonable. Like, explain your position. They won't argue. They say there's no debate. Like... We put out there a thing today that people could jump on the Facebook page. Have we had any any people chatting away there, or yes, anything worth mentioning? Or is it all filthy, revolting stuff? Oh, no, no, there is definitely <laughs> stuff in there. There's, there's people having a go at each other, um, okay. as, as you'd oh, expect. Good. As you'd expect. Um, no, there's just there's a few things. Um, one of the earlier comments comments was, and I, I reassured this person because they're a friend of the show. That I'm sure you would bring it up was about the eye. Um, I'm sure you know what that <laughs> means reaching into the eye. The interviews. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you, I don't know if that's something you want to talk about at some point, mm-hmm. but yeah, people are just kind of, yeah, um, 
Yeah, th- this one this one is one of those ones about the YouTube mantra about not reading the comments potentially. But, okay. <laughs> um, no, there is there's there's a lot of hearted hearted hearty debate going on. Oh, that's um, fun. Not read the comments because it's like all mean. No, no, no. There's 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 lots of there's good people on both sides. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Trump. Um, no, one, one person one person has pointed out though, and we probably want to make sure that's clear. And the thing that um, about, oh, sorry, I completely forgot. And then one, we're just using an example, and that she has ties to white nationalists. Me? So, no, no, um, oh. no. The one we had on the screen, Blair I've White, com- Blair White, potentially. I, oh. I could oh, be misreading the comments. Right. I, I apologise, but yeah, we're not absolutely not. I wasn't condoning bring- or talking about white nationalists and those white nationalists. Well, I wasn't bringing her up. As, I wasn't bringing her up as an example of someone to adhere to or follow. I just brought her up because I knew she's a attractive looking transgender woman and she passes. That yeah, was, that was I mean, people I use Blair as, uh, as a, an example of that like, a again, lot. It's like, well, what about this person who looks like a sexy well, the, lady? But the interesting like, thing about, about Blair, and I can say this because she blo- uh, vlogs about this, is she hasn't had bottom surgery. And she talks about that openly. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. And, I mean, for, for Blair's sake. Yeah, and because she says... I didn't know that. That her um, see, I'm not obsessed with genitals. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, her body uh, dysmorphia. I get these things so wrong. Whatever it is, um, gender dysphoria, body dysmorphia, whatever it is, uh, mostly kicks in when people um, don't see her as female. So her changes was for her appearance. Mm-hmm. So she presented as female, which means actually bottom surgery didn't matter to her. Now, for other people, right. it's, it's essential and it, and it doesn't matter. And I think what we should touch on here, Jason, we will, is in this whole conversation, intersex people, where do they fit? They, I mean, they don't. It's not part of the conversation. I mean, we're not talking about intersex people. I mean, the thing about intersex is that most people who are intersex are still obviously male or female and then have an intersex condition. I think there's some people who are intersex where it really is difficult to tell and they're yep. both. Yeah. Um, but intersex conditions are actually pretty like wide ranging. Right. Um, and when we're talking about trans, I mean, trans people aren't intersex, right? Like they don't have an intersex condition. They're yep. just obviously male or female people who want to identify as the opposite sex. So it sort of is like, so you do keep saying want to, so your position is it's a absolute choice. It's not like being gay from from birth. Your position for a transgender is they're making a conscious choice and there's nothing else to it? Well, I think that it's different for different people. So I think that there's some people who are trans who... um, who really feel like there's something wrong with their body, that their body's right. wrong and that they aren't going to feel comfortable with their body until they change it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of other people who maybe don't identify with the gender stereotypes. Mm-hmm. There's some uh, men who have fetishes, like autogynophilia, it's called. So they are turned on by the idea of themselves as women in women's clothes, being seen as a woman, whatever. Um, and... You know, there's some people who probably have like some form of mental illness, body dysmorphia, whatever you want to call it. Um, But I I think for a lot of people, it's a desire. Mm. Um, And of course, now it's a trend. Mm. Now it's like trendy for it's like, you know, teenagers want to feel special. So it's another way to feel special. Like I'm non-binary. I'm trans. Like it's cool. There is certainly a. It's it's like it depends what happens. You, you look at the um, like the rates of violence, the reported rates of violence going up in society, and we go: Are the rates of violence going up, or are we now having a society where we report them more? 
Um, right. And so, and so with the whole uh, gender conversation amongst schools especially, you see people going like 20% of the school is now identifying as gender fluid. Is it that actually they've always been there and now people are just comfortable to acknowledge it or is it a trend and a, you know, it feels cool to be part of the group or, or whatever or is it a bit of both? I don't it's obviously a trend. And if you talk to um, de-sisters, so, um, you know, young women who transitioned and then went back. Yeah. Basically. And those numbers are going up as well. Yeah, and they're really speaking out a lot. And they'll tell you, you know, I did this because I felt like there's something wrong. And then I started reading about this on the internet mm. or was pressured or, you know, was told at school, you know, maybe I'm trans. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe I'm trans. Maybe wow. this will solve all my problems if I like transition. Maybe I feel weird because I'm actually supposed to be a man, so I should go on hormones and start wearing binders. I can't and imagine being told that by someone. I mean, if you came to that conclusion, that's one thing. But being told But how that, would you how would a kid come to that conclusion? I don't know. Like what kid is gonna invent the idea of trans? Like where would that idea come from? That's an adult idea. Born in the wrong body, what kid is gonna tell you? I mean I mean uh, kids might say all sorts of things like I'm a cat, I'm an elephant. Mm. I my ex boyfriend told me that when he was a kid uh, he really wanted to be an elephant when he grew up, and that was like he insists he, he's like I'm he gonna make, be an elephant when I grow up. So did he did he achieve the goal? No, he didn't. Uh, Cute though, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be a talkback host when I grew up um, for quite a funny reason. I remember listening to talkback, which I got to do for ten years. I remember listening to talkback. This is Jason. You'll laugh at this because this just shows my. This completely shows my personality. I wanted to be a talkback host because there was a woman on News Talk ZB who used to work like 10 a.m. till midday. And as like a 10 year old, I used to think, yeah, two hours work a day, that'd be good. Oh, I can <laughs> totally relate to that. Reason. That was the only reason. I mean, and it's not two hours work a day, it's a fucking bit more than that. Yeah, I mean, I, the great thing about my job is that I can sleep in until noon and, and work till 2 or 3 a.m. So I've, I've got a bunch of thoughts, right? Okay. Um, first one is do you think that on some level you are do you, you you are you okay with the idea of being classified as a second wave feminist does that sit okay with you no i mean so my analysis is rooted in second wave feminism and radical feminism but i don't identify okay. as a radical feminist or a second wave. i don't i mean to be honest i don't want to identify as anything i don't like the labels anymore like i right. would rather talk about ideas and ideologies and arguments and legislation well, or whatever but like I yeah like my my understanding of feminism and women's rights you know I I learned from second wave feminists and radical yeah, right. feminists. Do you think that one of the situations here is I'm going to just use this idea of adhering to second wave feminism right that you are standing up and advocating this area of society second wave feminism the, the rights to it and other people are adhering to and trying to advance the rights of transgender people and they're at conflict but it's a little bit like if you were working hard for breast cancer the people who are working on prostate cancer are actually completely separate but it's not like they go fuck you breast cancer doesn't matter it's only about prostate cancer and you guys don't go no this is the do you know what i mean it's like you're actually fighting for advocating for different groups mm-hmm. And is there a way to do that without shitting on prostate cancer, so to speak, or vice versa? Do you know what I mean? 
I do know what you mean. Um, I sort of think that it's impossible for feminism and trans activism to be compatible because what trans activism is saying goes against everything that feminism has always advocated for. Right. So, you know, we can't even have women's rights if there's no such thing as a woman or if there's no cohesive definition as a woman. If a woman is nothing. So another thing that I'll ask ask besides... um, (laughs) Uh, you know, what's trans? What mm. does transgender mean? Define that in a in a coherent, clear way is what is a woman? Like, how are you defining woman? And, you know, trans activists won't answer. And I just want to be clear that when I'm saying trans activists, I'm not necessarily talking about trans identified people. I'm talking yeah. about people who um, advocate this ideology, this gender identity ideology. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, what what's a woman's? Why do women need rights in the first place if they're not oppressed or discriminated against just because they're female? Are they discriminated against because they uh, adhere to feminine femininity because they wear a dress because mm. they wear makeup mm. because they have long hair mm. or is it because they were born female and therefore they're treated differently in society? Or a combination of the both, mm. all of the above. The other thing I was thinking was I had a conversation with someone who definitely considers themselves a third wave feminism, intersectional feminist a wee while ago. Um, and I, I just kind of wanted to publicly say that it's a little bit like the Martina Navratilova situation where she came out and she said trans athletes are cheats. And then she walked back that comment to say they're not cheats, but she still didn't, but she still but it's said, not fair. but she still said it's not fair. Um, and then she was, cast out of the LGBT group, no matter all the work she's done for that since the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, one of the highest profile, probably most important figures in that group for a period of time. Um, People like Jermaine Greer, who I've mentioned tonight amongst second wave feminists, um, was talking to this uh, person who had a different perspective, didn't really think that highly of Jermaine Greer today. And I just had the thought, and I never had this conversation with them, and hopefully I will one day, is how much does a third wave feminist or an intersectional feminist today owe what they're doing to people like Jermaine Greer? And I was just reminded of that saying, if I see further, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm-hmm. And people like Jermaine Greer are giants. And I'm and I'm speaking from the outside, but from looking in, are giants in the world of, you know, advancing feminist values and, and feminism and stuff and just to be kind of shat on now and be told by a, a lot of woke individuals that they are completely wrong there's just something that feels wrong about that to me now I'm not I'm not part of the group I am excluded from that group but I don't know it just seems to you might go I disagree with some of their policies they're a bit 20 years ago but I acknowledge what they've done but just to basically go nah they're not they're not they're not right and they're not even, I mean, I third wave feminism, I think, is a backlash. I don't think that it is another iteration of feminism. I think that it's a backlash okay. against feminism. and Against, that would mean counterproductive to feminism. Right, I mean, the ideology is in opposition to everything that second wave and first wave feminists fought for and said. Um, and can, they, can you give us an example? So, okay, um... They advocate uh, for prostitution as empowering for women. They Mm. say that, you know, pornography can be feminist. They say that self-objectification is a choice and any choice that a woman makes is potentially a feminist act and empowering and we can't challenge it. 
Um, second wave of radical feminism would say that there's context surrounding a choice to self-objectify. And that's, you know, because women are taught that their primary value is their fuckability or their ability to, um, be viewed as attractive to men. So does that mean, for example, to, oh, sorry, I'm going to use a specific example of mine, wicked, but things like the slut walk, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be a fan of that sort of thing then? Definitely not. Because I look at the slut, I look at the slut, well, that sounds so It's bad. like a bunch of young women out in their lingerie and they're sending one Do, message. But like, doing, doing exactly fuck what... Fuck you, here's my tits. Like, but doing like, exactly what all the boys want them to exactly. do. Exactly. I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see. The boys are on the sideline. Uh, you know, watching like, the titties. Oh, I do yeah. like feminism after all. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, but, I mean, but, it's it's supporting everything that patriarchy supports, but reframing it as feminism because it's a choice. And well, so, it, but where's the line then of owning one's body and doing Own your one? body, but you don't, like, every choice you make isn't a feminist choice just because you make the choice. Right. Right? Like, you can choose to do whatever you want. Like, it, like you know, I, I mean, I say this all the time, but it's like, I wear makeup. Like, I don't, you know, obviously I want to be viewed as attractive, but I'm not going to claim that's feminism because mm. I chose it. Like, mm. I, my eyeliner isn't feminism or a feminist choice. Um, I know why I do it. I don't even really feel like I need to defend it. Like, I don't understand why everything that we do all the time has to be feminist. And I, I think that third wave feminism is super individualistic um, and lacking in historical and social context. That's a really interesting point you're making, and I'm thinking about it from many other aspects in life. Not everything we need to do needs to be feminist. Some things are just things. You know, there was that, it was actually a bad up, it was a fake news it was a fake oh, news story. Oh, it came in handy after all. Yeah. There was a fake news story about a poppy um, that was a rainbow poppy that some kids were wearing at a school and the school said, if you don't wear it, we're going to ban it. It, was, it wasn't a real story. It was fake. But one of the comments that came out of that story was, you know, not everything has to be about gender. Mm-hmm. Like they were saying it as a, you know, to advocate, like this is the time with the poppy, and I'm sure it's the same as part of the Commonwealth, that this is about remembering, you know, those who have fought and died for us and for our freedoms, as they say. And it's okay to actually put the other causes to the side for the day. It doesn't always have to be about that. It doesn't always have to be about feminism. It doesn't always have to be about, I don't know, national pride. It doesn't always have to, Sometimes things are just things yeah. and they don't have to have another layer on top of them. Everything isn't political and it's like, yeah, like if I identify as a feminist, that means that everything that I do in my life is feminist. I mean, ridiculous. Like, of course, everything I do in my life isn't feminist. I do unfeminist things all the time. I'm just a regular human being. Um, And I don't want my whole life to be political. I don't want to pretend like I'm a perfect person. I'm not Mm. a perfect person. Like, of course I care about my appearance. Of course, like I'm superficial. Of course, like I watch keeping up with the Kardashians. Like I want to live my life. Like I want to be me. Like, and I also, you know, my just lost a lot of respect for you, by the way. It's just keeping up with the Kardashians. I cannot fucking help it. Like (laughs) actually my favorite show is Vanderpump rules. So I just want to, you know, shout them out. But you know, I I watch shitty TV. Part of the reason that I watch shitty TV is because is that what you do? No, of course not. I watch it because I'm working all day and I'm focused on these like kind of intense things and I want to check out. Um, we've been up for two hours. This is, I'm, I'm actually, and we haven't actually touched on Twitter yet. I actually do want to kind of cover off what happened mm-hmm. because I think it's a really interesting um, snapshot in society today to sort of 
woke culture, and you were a topic of conversation on Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. So they had on uh, Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey is his name? Yeah. And uh, one of his top uh, kind of standards person. His, on. like, safety yeah, 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 person yeah. or whatever. And have we got that clip, Jace? Because we actually pulled a little bit of it out and we thought we'd do it because I just wanted to get your take on it. And I also wanted to know the tweet that you sent – Men aren't was it men aren't women though or men aren't women? So I wasn't even so I was suspended for men aren't women though, right. and then I was permanently banned for referring to Yaniv J Y yeah. as he. I and didn't even say anything mean about him. I just said he, and he was going by Jonathan Yaniv and didn't have like female pronouns on his social media at the time. I just said, I said, yeah, it's him, right? Because somebody had outed him or whatever. Let's give this, um, you know. A minute or so, and just see what they were talking about, because I was talking about the process. I don't want to harass them. I certainly, I'll call anybody whatever they want. I mean, if you want to change your name to a woman's name and identify as a woman, I'm 100% cool with that. So that frustrates you. But mm-hmm. by saying, I don't think that you should be able to compete as a woman, this opens me up for harassment. And I never well, reported any of it. I just don't pay attention to it. But, but, in, but in going go into, like, Megan Murphy, for instance... Right. You can call that target harassment if Megan Murphy, who is, uh, for those that are, don't, don't know, she's a radical feminist who refuses to He says you're a radical uh, feminist. It's fine. I, whatever. <laughs> if she's in an argument with a trans person over whether or not they should be allowed in sports or in biologically female spaces and she refuses to use their pronoun because of her ideology, you'll ban them. Again, it depends on the context on the platform. And it's also... It's a great jacket. I want, not banned permanently. Like you get warnings. Well, she was She's banned such permanently. A liar. But was she was clear warned, yeah. about what happened. But was she it, was warned. Explain because you explained times. it to me. What, what, what did she actually do? Warned for my what? My understanding, and I don't have the tweet by tweet the way that I did for the others, but my understanding is that she was warned multiple times for um, misgendering an individual that she was in an argument with, and this True individual false. is actually bringing false. a lawsuit against her. I wasn't her fucking warned for anything. Well. Like, so it's that wasn't a rule. Like, yeah. misgendering was not a rule when I was banned. Sorry. only one side of the ideology, and you've banned only one of those people. Well, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's, that'll do for us. Sorry, so, I so talked over her while no, she was no, talking, fine. but it makes me mad because she's like, you were warned, and it's like, I, you know, I appealed these suspensions and I appealed being banned and they never even explained what rule I broke. They just said hateful conduct. And it's like, what? The gentleman in the red headphones was Tim Paul. He's a journalist. And the point he was making, because Jack Dorsey is saying, we're not, we're not, we're not a left wing progressive company. And the point he was making was, well, you're taking a position here based on a left-wing progressive progressive ideology. In other words, this person says men can be women. This person says men can't be women. As soon as you side with men can be women, you're taking a partisan position. Mm-hmm. It's not an open. So that's the point he was trying to make. Um, so you, you just said something interesting. I, just, I, I want to pick up on it. When you were banned, misgendering wasn't a bannable offence? No, I mean, so part of so there's a so lawsuit. So was, was that a retrospective ban? Yeah, so they they created a rule and then went through my tweets and then banned me. I mean, and again, like Twitter has never communicated to me what rule I broke. I'm mm. guessing. I'm assuming it's misgendering because I was banned for saying, "Yeah, it's him." But when you said it, it that wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't a, a no. Rule. It wasn't a rule. And the first um, the fir- the first report that it was a rule came about an hour after I was banned, which I find like. Pretty so weird. Yeah, so that rule should be known as the Megan Murphy rule because obviously they put it in place for you. Yeah, Megan Murphy's law. 
<laughs> well, okay, that's so. And, I mean, it's and, like they have to inform their users if, as per their own rules, yeah. they have to inform users if they're changing the rules and they did not. And surely it's completely unfair for them to retrospectively apply those rules. Yes. Like, it's like, at least tell me, at least say from now on, just so you know, if you refer to a yeah. man as she and he doesn't like it, we're going to ban you. Yeah. But the. Like, I didn't, like, hateful, harassing, like, give me a break. The conversation you were having with Jessica Yaneve or about Jessica Yaneve? About, and it wasn't a conversation. It was literally, so there was one tweet and it said, and I posted a blog post that someone else had written, um, outing him because at the time he was being referred to as jy yeah um there was a publication ban so somebody figured out his identity or at least his twitter handle and figured out that he had been predating on young girls and that this um kind of extortion this going after businesses and saying like you know I ordered a pizza and it was messed up when it got to my door. So now you owe me free pizza for life. Like this is kind of his MO. This is how he got money. So this um, is so the, 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 the publicized case was um, he presents as Jessica Yaneve, transgender woman. I'm, I want a bikini wax. I still have a penis and testicles. If you don't wax my penis and testicles, you are discriminating against me based on gender. Yeah. And he did that, identity. I think in 16, Estatologists, estheticians, estheticians, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, so that was the 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 fight he was he she was fighting at that moment. Be it right or wrong, that's what they were doing. Yeah, and I mean, essentially, he was just trying to get money out of people, yeah. which I said initially, and which uh, was determined through this BC Human Rights Tribunal process. Uh, you know, he doesn't actually believe that he's female. He just saw this as an opportunity and he did get some money out of some of the estheticians, like mm. some of them that, you know, just got freaked out and were like, Oh, like you're going to take yeah. me to court. Here's a thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, and so somebody basically outed him and I tweeted the post and said, is it true that JY is actually trusted nerd? That mm. was his Twitter handle. Mm. Um, I found or was sent a screenshot of one of his online reviews, like a Yelp review or something like that, saying like, so-and-so did a great job on my bikini wax with his photo there, with his name there, Jonathan Yaniv, with his male face. And so I posted that and said, yeah, it's him as confirmation to myself. Mm. And then I was banned just for that tweet. That's what they sent me. That was their their one reason for permanently banning me from Twitter. And he, Yaniv, publicly bragged, it's on video, um, at New West, which is a suburb of Vancouver, in their um, city council meeting or something, saying, I personally got Megan banned from Twitter. So he saw that, contacted Twitter, and got me banned. Didn't Jay w- Jessica Yaniv also tweet some horrific stuff back at you or something, and that was all ignored? No, that was, was that uh, Lindsay Shepard. Oh, Lindsay Shepard, okay. But he, he got Lindsay Shepard banned, and then they let her come back. But yeah, he was super grossly insulting to her. He said disgusting things about her, and she got banned, and they brought her back just because it was like there was a bunch of controversy, and people got pissed off, and they were like, fine, fine. So he was taking... Um, JY was taking a, a group of these salons to court mm-hmm. to the... Individuals, like there were women who worked out of their homes. They were mostly yeah. immigrant women, like English as a second language. Like they're they're pretty vulnerable, marginalized women. And um, the, it's the Human Rights Tribunal, which obviously, again, Commonwealth, we have the same thing here. But apparently is it the British Columbia is, is pretty left progressive. Yeah. 
But super even, biased. Super biased. But even then, when they got through it all, basically said, "You are this is bullshit." To to Jessica's claims, they were all yeah. dismissed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah, the tribunal is like throughout this whole process. Um, Devin Cousineau, uh, is that how you say your last name? Um, she was using female pronouns. Like she would, you know, acknowledge like he has a penis and he's asking women to touch saying his penis though? and balls, but saying she. All right. I'm saying he, sorry. So, but, you know, like, and, so and she's the, going along with the ideology in this tribunal and people are sort of forced to also use the pronouns mm. in this tribunal process. Like, And she has an obvious bias um, in terms of this specific issue. So I, I kind of feel like it's ridiculous that she was the one to determine the outcome, but she made the right choice anyway. Because because of that case, because of the JY, the Jessica NF case, and because that's what you were talking about, is there any recourse for you to come back on Twitter and go, nah, see, I was right. There was should right. be. There should be. And a whole bunch of people on Twitter said that. Like when, So when he lost, when they ruled against him, a whole bunch of people were like, okay, so now you're going to bring Megan back, right? Because yeah. now you're acknowledging that he's male and that this was all bullshit and that it wasn't harassment for her to refer to him as he. Like you're basically in this trial acknowledging that he's male yeah, so the, and the, that these female estheticians shouldn't have to touch his genitals because he has male genitals and it's not the same as giving a woman a Brazilian bikini wax. The, you, just, just for clarity, the Human Rights Tribunal actually ruled towards Jessica Yaneve being male or having male body parts. Did they use the term male? I think so, yeah. I mean, as, essentially what they ruled is that he's, a, he's trying to extort money out of people, that he was taking advantage of this ideology to try to get money out of people and that he wasn't, like, legitimately um, being discriminated against. And that, and that these women have the right to say, no, I'm yeah. not going to wax your balls. Like, you have male body parts. But if it was a, a biologically born female they probably wouldn't have the right to say no. So that leans it towards them identifying JY as not... Yeah, a, I mean, it was an acknowledgement that he's male. So therefore, you should be back on Twitter. Exactly. How many followers did you have? <sighs> like 25,000. So for an independent freelance journalist, that's significant. It has a big... It continues to have a big impact. I mean, people think... People are like, oh, it's social media, who cares? But it's like, this is my whole job. Mm. Like, I don't work for a company. Mm. Like, I don't have any... All I have is me and my platform and my ability to communicate with my audience and share my work. I mean, Twitter and social media shares, and, and Twitter is the primary way that you share <laughs> nowadays, uh... Like, that's why you get hired. Like, people ask me to write things because I have a big public profile. Right. Like, I mean, I, I think that I'm a, a good writer also. But, you know, that's like, if you're a nobody, it's unfortunate. Like, I'm not saying this is a good system. But it's true. Nowadays, publications depend on shares. Yeah. They depend on clicks. And if you can't get those clicks, then they're not going to pay you to write for them. Your, uh, what were you known for before the girl kicked off Twitter? Like you already had those 25,000 followers. I mean, because I was one of the only people talking about this, I think, as a feminist. And I had a big profile. Now, I, I don't want to say I'm one of the only people because women have been um, pushing on this issue for a while. But I was probably like the highest profile woman slash feminist who was who was pushing back on this and who was, you know, refusing to go along with the pronoun thing mm -hmm. um, and challenging the ideology. I, you know, I was I went to the Senate to speak against Bill C-16. Um, I think I was probably the only 
person in Canada to publish an op-ed criticizing Bill C-16 from a feminist perspective. Right. There was Jordan Peterson and there was me who spoke out against this bill publicly in the media. One of the people who has said uh, to me, advised me sort of not to have this conversation was saying that there's always, there's always money. You know, they're like, like being an opponent of this, like Jordan Peterson has made stacks of cash off this, but pointing towards the reason he's doing this is to make stacks of cash. Financially for you, has this helped you, harmed you? Where has it left you? <laughs> I mean, it's not lucrative. Mm. Like, I don't know where these people think that I'm getting money from. Like, my entire income is freelance or donations. I'm definitely not making Jordan Peterson money. I'm still <laughs> living in my, like, shitty, cheap apartment in Vancouver. Um, it's not... Is that benefited me in any way like I've lost friends which is really hard and painful that's probably the worst thing about this whole thing it's right. like I'm scared of being beat up in public obviously so you're recognized in Vancouver people know who you are yeah 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 and uh, I mean and I've also lived in Vancouver my whole life right. so and Vancouver is a small city and so people know who I am and it's awkward like it's it's awkward with my friends who've stuck by me because they get harassed by other people who pressure them to not be friends with me. Um, there's like bars that I don't feel comfortable going to anymore. Right, wow. There's areas that I don't feel comfortable going. I've totally lost friends. Like people have bailed on me because they're like, eh, this is just too like controversial. Like they don't even have any fucking opinion on this. Right. right. They're just like, this is too, too much. much drama, drama around you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, pressure from their mutual friends. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is not, I don't have any like job security or yeah. financial security. Like, I'm making a living and I, and I like my life, you know, like I like, I don't want to just be like, oh, this is so shitty. Like, I do, I do feel lucky to um, have a platform. Like, mm -hmm. I'm a writer. That's what I do. I love writing and I'm really, really grateful actually that I can make a career from writing. I'm really grateful that I get to travel places. Yeah. But it's not, you know, like, I'm not. I'm not making thousands of dollars off this. Like I'm breaking even I'm doing okay. Like my life is okay, but like, I'm not getting rich off this shit. Like I wonder to wrap this mofo up. <laughs> I was talking to an academic uh, a few weeks ago, James Flynn. He's known worldwide as the Flynn effect talks about how I, our IQs are growing each generation. So on average, our IQ is higher than our parents. And from our, on average, their IQ is higher than their parents. It's called the Flynn Effect. He's an Otago University emeritus professor. Okay. And what I found with Jim, and if he's watching Love Him to Bits and he's coming back when he does his book, is he spoke in a very academic way. And it can come across as uh, harsh. Not that he's being harsh. Like he, he, a lot of his study is in America. And he refers to the blacks. Not because he's demeaning them, but it's almost like he talks as it's if It's like he, a trigger term. Like people are like, yeah. But like, it's like he's literally reading the title at the top of the column on the spreadsheet. It's, this is got it. the black community. This is the white community. This is the Hispanic community. Do you think that there's any danger that you've been doing this for so long and that uh, you're so assured in your position that transgender people, um, so we're not talking about the activists, but it's transgender people feel kind of, I don't know, thrown under the bus or scared or that, that the position you're putting out there is, because I mean, I, I wouldn't know without asking that you wish, wouldn't wish any harm to anyone. You're not going to have your own guillotine outside there 
Yeah. No, God, places. I would never. I've never threatened anybody. I'm not trying to shut anybody down. If I've, I've never tried to stop an event from happening or a person from talking. No. I, I don't like these kinds of questions. I almost made myself sick the other day asking one of these questions in a podcast because I don't like doing sort of interviewee Q and A's. But I'm I'm prompted to this question: If we were going to finish this podcast with you saying something to the transgender community, what would you say? I mean. This is not going to be the answer that you want, but I don't think that the transgender community is a monolith. Like, I don't think that all people who identify as trans agree with trans activism or gender identity ideology. I think Mm. there's a lot of people who identify as trans or transsexual or whatever who really are just trying to live their lives and don't want this to be a political thing and aren't trying to access women's spaces and just really just want to be okay in their lives. And then there's this very loud minority who are advocating this like sexist anti-woman ideology and pushing this legislation and pushing for men to have access to female spaces. Like I don't, I'm not talking shit about trans people. It's not about trans people. I'm not anti-trans people. I'm defending women's rights and I'm defending material reality and I'm defending rational um, debate and Mm. I'm defending free speech. Do you think there's any danger? You've just said, you know, the vocal minority, that the equal and opposite is true. There's a vocal minority in your position, you know, the Jordan Petersons, the yourselves of this world, and actually most of society fitting somewhere between those two. Nah, I mean, everyone knows what a, what a man is and what a woman is. I mean, most people agree with me. And it, most people tell me privately. Like, it's like, what's interesting about the threats that I get is that they're all public, so mm. they're advertised. And the emails that I get and the private conversations I have with basically 99% of people, they all agree with my position. And they're like, oh, we really support you. We're not going to say anything out loud, but right. you're right. And I mean, most people are not engaged with this debate. Like most people in most countries have better things to do than to have these weird academic debates about gender. Like, Mm. you know, like most people understand what a male is and what a female is. And most people know that it's not possible to change sex. On that note, Jace, is there anything to wrap up or should we head off to the Wobbler Yonder? Anything you want to share from the Facebook page or anything? Or are they still, don't read the Facebook page comments? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's lively debate. Okay. There's lively debate going on, and um, that's the point of this podcast, isn't it? Oh, look, I think the, the genuine... We aren't here to take sides. We're here to have a conversation. That's what we're about. Well, no, I mean, I think I'm here to, uh, at times to take sides, but this one for me is certainly, and I said to this to you in the car on the way out, <coughs> and I have said this before, I'm someone who's been involved around the LGBT community for 20 years been an ally in the community for 20 years if i'm sitting here going what the fuck is happening in society today from someone who's not an expert but has been sort of involved in the community a lot i think that that means 95 percent of your average joe out there is even more confused and i think that's mm-hmm. why it's important to have these conversations and even though i was um told that you know think about the people who are listening think about how this might be damaging to people listening and that kind of thing i, I just i i'm more about I said to someone the other day, the best disinfectant is sunlight. Not that it has to be disinfectantized. There's nothing wrong with it. No, but, but, I just, but to like, bring I, it out there. I don't want to interrupt, but it's like, what's damaging about what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying anything that hurts people. I'm not advocating to hurt people. And most people listening are not trans activists. I don't, I mean, or 
maybe I assume that the majority of your audience, but certainly the majority of the people in the world are not trans activists. Like it's like, Do think you, about the harm that you're causing. Like think about women. Like I'm so annoyed that we don't mm. talk about women and girls and it's like, you're harming trans people. And it's like, you're like 0.01% of the population who is identifying as trans and women are 50% of the population. This has a massive impact on all women everywhere. Do you feel, do you, on that though, um, do you ever think about and are you concerned about the fact that your position and, and opinions, um, just like that of somebody, say, like Jordan Peterson, you know, a percentage of what he says resonates with those hardcore oh, yeah. extremists. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, by by agreeing and like by having like a you know the Venn the Venn diagram of opinion, having a part of your opinion overlap with a part of their opinion, makes their their cause stronger for vile, hateful spew that ends up on the internet. Do you, Dude, are you, do you about think that any or? man who would like go and beat up a trans woman is listening to me and being like, "Wow, yeah, like Megan's right. I'm gonna go yeah, beat you know, someone you know up." Like that's I, on my audience. I think the point. I think that point is, and it's something that I thought about for me, like what I'm sharing for my thing is that, you know, you met with, I mean, you, we kind of talked about it in the car on the way out and you said you've traditionally been sort of more of a left voter than a right voter. But the, For but, sure. But the person you met with was our far right politician. He was the one that was champion in, in uh, what's his name, Seymour, mm -hmm. in Parliament. He was the one championing your cause. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Jim Jeffries, when he interviewed Jordan Peterson, made the point that a lot of the tiki uh, torch carrying fraternity seem to like to use Peterson's thoughts. And I, and I think that's right. Even, even James Flynn, who was a member of our Alliance party, uh, this, this um, emeritus professor, the Alliance party is further left than, than the Greens far, far left. I, I said to him, I said, does it always, does it ever concern you that your work on IQ gets used by the far right to as, as quote unquote evidence for why they're superior to these races with lesser IQs. Mm -hmm. And he says, absolutely. Is that something you ever think of? That, that, that I, I think it's unquestionable that, that this conversation, my position of trans athletes not competing in sports, is grasped, adhered to and used by a part of the political spectrum that I don't want to be associated with. I mean, I don't care who I'm associated with. Like, I'm me, and if... I mean, I, I, I do not... And I, Okay, so I should start by saying that I come from a place of, like, one of those leftists who only engaged with other leftists, who didn't want anything to do with not only right-wing people, but liberal people, libertarian people, anyone who wasn't in my socialist camp right. my entire life. Right. I always voted. I, I voted in every single, as I told you earlier, provincial and federal election for the NDP, which is Canada's uh, Labour Party. Um, and I just, I didn't ever engage with anyone who didn't agree with me on all this stuff, and I vilified them, and I wrote them off, and I ignored mm. them. Um, so I, I don't, and I no longer, I mean, I, I don't really want anything to do with the left because I think that they're liars and I think that they're pathetic and I think that they're cowards and I think they stand for fucking nothing. And I think they're, you know, people who are essentially middle-class academics, um, and they've stopped talking about working class people and poverty and, mm -hmm. and money. But I mean, I'm going to be me and I'm going to say what I want to say. And if right wing people like it or conservative people like it or libertarian people like it or men's rights activists like it, then fine. Like that doesn't have anything to do with me. And I'm not against those people just because they don't agree with me. Like some of them might be assholes, but there's a lot of people on the left who are assholes, too. Like I'm interested <laughs> in engaging with people and ideas 
And there's, you know, I feel really lucky actually that all this happened to me, that I got banned from Twitter and that I've become so controversial over this issue because it's exposed me to all sorts of people and views um, that I wasn't exposed to before. And mm -hmm. it really humanized those people. Like, it, you know, so I've talked to conservative people and I've talked to um, men who think they hate feminism and I've talked to libertarians and people across the political spectrum and they're really nice good people and maybe we we agree on some things and then we disagree on other things around the economy or around abortion or whatever but at least we're having those conversations like mm. what i'll give the right credit for i mean the world is not black and white we're not all left and right that's not how how things work but what i will give right-wing people credit for is that i think they're actually more honest than the left they're not pretending to be perfect um, and they'll, they'll talk to me and they'll have conversations with me, like a feminist and a leftist, and they're willing to engage in these debates and they're respectful. Mm. You know, we can disagree about, again, you know, abortion or, uh, universal healthcare or social housing or welfare, um, and still be fine. And the left will not fucking do that. Like if you disagree with them, you're out and you're bad. You're an enemy. You're, you're, you know, yep. maybe you should go to jail. Like pe the, I've well, seen people say like that. I should go to jail for what I say, like well, on the left. That's part of the concern about taking to its extreme bill C-16. It's like it talks about not there being jail time, but then the point was made in one interview I heard was, so what if I get fined and I don't pay the fine? So, mm. the, you know, so that's actually, that's actually, the, uh, yeah. The, 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 the pay of jail could be under that law. And advocating violence. And if they're not advocating violence, they're not opposing it. Like these leftists are not saying, you know what, it's not okay for you to show up at a protest against Megan Murphy or against her event with a guillotine. You know, like it's not okay for you to threaten violence against these women who are just trying to have a conversation about women's rights and the implications of legislation. Like this is a law. We're talking about policies and laws that affect people. We should be allowed to have the conversation. All of our events are respectful. All of our events are peaceful. We don't, there's nothing offensive going on, you know, and they're threatening to punch us and in some cases doing it. Like that's happened. That happened in the UK when they tried to have a meeting about gender identity. Like a six-year-old woman got punched by a dude who identifies as a woman do you think you're effective do you think the message you're putting totally. out there is, is is resonating yeah i mean we forced this conversation to happen in canada um me and these other women that i know who are just regular women who care about this conversation um they're not necessarily activists they're certainly not privileged people it's not like we have money it's not like we have political power we've been organizing these events and the canadian media was ignoring Feminist concerns, women's concerns. They were ignoring that there was a debate to begin, like uh, at all, to mm. begin with, and the conversation is finally happening, and people are stepping up and saying, "Yeah, this does matter." Or, you know, even if they don't agree with us, they're saying, "Yeah, these women have the right to talk. I want to talk about this. I want to think about this." All right, two and a half hours. Uh. <laughs> or two and a half hours. Or. That Not much that much, be. see? Yeah, it wasn't that bad. I did okay. Not too bad. <laughs> Just in case anyone thinks that I'm wasted. I mean, <laughs> I, I am a little bit drunk, but <laughs> not that drunk. It's not like I finished. Hey, look, whether whether people agree that this conversation should happen or not, whether they enjoyed it or didn't, whether I've just had a whole bunch of Facebook people unfollow me or not, <laughs> um, whether this gets taken down from Facebook or YouTube or not, um, I still want to say thanks for coming down. You didn't need to do this. 
I've found it informative um, and, and yeah, it's something that I'm still going to struggle with is the wrong word because I have a lot going on in my life, but still, there's still a lot of processing for me to do to try and figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think I could kind of go, ah, who cares? Let's just not worry about that. But I think I'm the kind of person that likes to, likes to have a thought and likes to figure stuff out and likes to see what, you know, which way the wind blows, so to speak. So I, this has been great. I've really enjoyed this. And even though it sounds like uh, Facebook hasn't enjoyed us talking about this so much, that I've enjoyed it. And I'm grateful you gave us a, a bit of time to come down. It's been a blast. Oh, yeah. I'm so, I really am so happy to be here. I'm really enjoying myself. I really enjoy having conversations with anyone. And, oh, sorry, everybody. And uh, I wish more people would do it. And so, yeah, thanks for bringing me. Your uh, website is? feministcurrent.com people want to find out more about feministcurrent.com and other than that uh, get to enjoy Dunedin for 18 hours or something hopefully that rain will clear up it was beautiful this morning I do promise that's okay and um, I, I don't mean, know I'm just going to go to a bar anyway so. until next time thanks for coming in Megan Murphy thank you All right, well, there you go. We got through that, didn't we, guys? Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure you head to iTunes and subscribe to this audio podcast. Well, yeah, it'd be great to uh, get a review from you as well. Um, you can also get all of our information on the Facebook page or through the new URL, which is www.thedoc.nz. Coming up in the next seven days, I think we've got four podcasts on. It's going to be a pretty busy time, actually. On Tuesday, Sean the Dark Destroyer Wallace, he is one of the chasers from The Chase, is going to be with us first thing in the morning, actually, a breakfast time podcast. Join us from about 8.30. Friday of this upcoming week, uh, Guy Williams, Guy Williams Comedian, will be joining us in studio as well. And Sunday uh, of this week, we have Rob Sarkis. Rob Sarkis, of course, is a film director. I don't know, best known, Jace, for Scarfies, maybe? All right. We'll say that. Best known for the New Zealand cult classic Scarfies, Rob Sarkis will be joining us in studio uh, next Sunday. If you want to connect with us, facebook.com forward slash D-E-P-T of conversation. As I said, go to the new URL, www.thedoc.nz. Uh, we are launching some merch there as well. If you want to help support what we're doing, go and buy some merch. Have, uh, have the uh, the ugly mug all over your chest or over your cap. There's some cups and stuff coming as well. Maybe some prints of some of the art we're doing here, but just bookmark us and, and, and stay tuned with what we're doing. All right, team, until we see you next time, hooroo.